Hello and welcome to Hotline League episode 28. I am back in my bedroom, uh, back from Europe. Uh, we're going to be talking about MSI on this episode because we are done with MSI. Thank God. What what a miserable event for North America. That team sucked. Uh, never send Team Liquid there ever again. Uh, we got Mark on the show. We got Frostgren. All this great stuff is coming up. Uh, episode 28 starts right now. Hotline League is brought to you by... Open by HP. And here, <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> oh, God, that's so perfect. Oh, just a sneeze from Peter in the background. Uh, we are, so we're starting the show. Uh, it's a little different of a show this week because um, we have some, we have an audience, a live audience here. We've only done this once before. Uh, the, the live audience for this show. Could not. Uh, uh, we were scrambling to find a, a guest because we were trying to get a hold of Frosk, but she was, I think, asleep or traveling. What time is it there, Frosk? Uh, it's eleven thirty-two a.m. Yeah, exactly. So she was uh, unavailable, um, and then it turns out Peter was fine to just play video games in the background of the stream. Um, so we got Peter in the background, Bonnie and and Broden, but they're out of focus for a reason. Uh, besides that audience, we've got uh, my returning co-host, uh, Mark Zimmerman. How's it going, Mark? Great. I bought Nier Automata yesterday on a whim. It's better than I thought it would be, even though it's pretty hyped up. So I'm super excited to finish this episode and go play some more. Great. Well, you're always excited to do the show, and that's that's what I appreciate about having you as a co-host. Uh, have you that's fixed great. your my, huh? Have you fixed your sleep schedule yet? It's closer. Like I, I'm going to bed at four, waking up at noon, as opposed to like eight and getting up at three. So I yeah. don't know. It's getting the right direction. Pretty nice. disappointed with how late we're starting. Most of my boba's gone. Yeah. So well, uh, we're super lucky because at right moments before we were going to start, uh, we heard back from Frost, who was happy to, without any notice, come on the show. Uh, so we're joined right now by Frost, uh, all the way from Shanghai. How's it going, Frost? Uh, good. Very tired, but good. Yeah. Are you? How is your? Have you recovered from the jet lag? Uh, no, I uh, literally woke up last night, I think at 3 a.m., and then I stayed up till 5 a.m. watching BoJack Horseman, and then I fell back asleep, woke up, and saw your messages. Yeah. Well, right. I need... BoJack Horseman's how... a good reason to stay awake. I was going to ask, how good is BoJack Horseman? Because a lot of people have recommended it to me, and I've just never fired it up. Kind of depends on what you're looking for for a show. It has much less to do with like the Family Guys or the Rick and Mortys that you would expect from a cartoon, and more closely aligned with like a, a Showtime show or an HBO show. Yeah, I personally love it, but it's it's, it's incredible, different. but it's very thoughtful. Like you, oh, you, I'm dumb. I don't yeah, think I want if you just want uh, like dick jokes or whatever, then well, actually, there's dick jokes, but there's also like, wow, that was the most depressing thing I've ever watched. Um, also, if you're like super into LA culture, I think it's even better if you understand LA. Yeah, LA, it's 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 they don't hit you over the head with LA stuff, but. There's just all these amazing Los Angeles references that are really good. So check it out. Highly recommend it. How else are or what else is going on with you, Frost? Are you you uh, happy to be back? I am back in lovely Shanghai. Um, yeah, I literally was supposed to go into the office this morning, but I woke up and I felt like I had a hangover, and so I was like, no, no office today. Yeah. Okay. Well, happy to. Uh, we've got another person joining. This is an interesting setup um so <laughs> so so 
Uh, we are. This is the the post MSI episode. Um, super happy to be uh, having Frost on because she's going to be able to talk about her favorite thing, which is Chinese teams dominating. Uh, it's been, I guess, three years since we saw something like that, so it's it's pretty exciting. Um, we'll we'll be taking calls in a little bit, but uh, really quickly, maybe we can start off with Mark. Mark, what did you think of? Uh, the MSI, like all, everything that happened in the second half of MSI. I thought it uh, continued the entertainment level of the group stage. I thought group stage was super entertaining. And then the rest of the bracket stage is actually really good too. Like the Chinese uh, RNG versus Fnatic, despite it being a 3-0, like I think Fnatic had gold leads at some point. Every single game. Every game, right? Yeah. yeah. So. That was really interesting, and then anytime Korea gets upset, that's awesome. So I, I thought it was all really good. Nice, uh, Frosk. How happy are you? And is there like a ton <laughs> of hype in uh, in China right now? Do you like are you are you able to see like the re- visible results of a Chinese team winning? I saw that uh, video absolutely. of like the dorms going crazy, which was kind of cool. It's literally like Christmas, so there's a reputation that. So think of like all the shit that Reddit does whenever a Western team does poorly. Now, whenever a Chinese team doesn't do amazing, like magnify that times a million. And that's what Chinese uh, community or like social media is like. Um, And it's effectively like Christmas right now. A lot of times casters will get flamed just because uh, their favorite team didn't win. And so it must be the casters fault as opposed to just the players faults. But right now everyone is just super complimentary. Everyone's loving it. All of the Chinese casters are like, you know, God bless. We're not getting flamed by the community for once in our life. I love that it's the caster's fault. Like, yeah, imagine if that was the way it was over here. So, so it's super strange. Like, when you have an RNG versus EDG matchup, normally as a caster, you'd be like, fuck yeah, this is going to be an incredible matchup. Like, I get to cover both huge teams. But the Chinese casters actually dread having to do EDG RNG because uh, the fan bases are so large and that if RNG win, all the EDG fans will flame them. And if EDG win, all the RNG fans will flame them. Wow. That so it's kind of uh, like the TSM fans who get mad, like, oh, you're so biased, like yep. TSM Jat stuff, but both sides are more, like, crazier. And they I'm consider sure. it, like, a, a superstitious luck type of thing. So uh, really quickly before we get into calls, I mean, Frost, do you want to uh, give us a rundown of Mark? This is probably a good time for you to, if you have any questions for her on, on the RNG stuff. But, I mean, what – it was really interesting. I actually didn't even know – I'm curious on your take because – I did not know at the very beginning of groups if RNG was even like a good team. Like they seem to be struggling. They seem to be inconsistent. Uh, I know a lot of that was because possibly they had a hard time get with the fact that they showed up like one day before the event because of visa issues and all that. But it was just really crazy to think about the idea that like the RNG from the first couple of days of groups would end up being the RNG that would win the whole whole event. Um, so I'm just kind of curious about your take on all that. Mine or Mark's? Uh, yours, and then I'm hoping Mark can sort of jump in here. Um, hilariously, and I still stand by this, RNG isn't even the strongest Chinese team. Um, now, they did make the Miracle Run and definitely peaked towards the end of the split, but we saw pretty much like the exact RNG that I thought we were going to saw, uh, see. And going into the finals, yes, I predicted RNG 3-2. Um, that was simply because I felt like if I was going to default to trust and make a trustful on Uzi, I had to. But in the makeup room, I was like, Kingzone are going to smash them. This is just going to be brutal. Um, so still going into the final, I was heavily behind Kingzone just because I felt that having a triple threat 
team was going to be better in terms of uh, versatile strategy, and RNG didn't bring Zatai. Uh, most of their strategies that they had used over the course of the split were actually a substitution position between Letme and Zatai, who played pretty much 50-50, and they'd use a lot more strategic depth um, through their top lane champion pool, but maybe that was just because the LPL uh, demanded that since there's a huge disparity between like good top laners and bad top laners in the LPL versus using Karsa and Emelixi. So I was already really disappointed in RNG for not bringing Zatai and instead uh, bringing a flex jungle position. But now upon reflection, I think it was because they recognized that Peanut was so fundamental to Kingzone's success. Whereas I thought the only way that they would be able to compete with Kingzone would to bring Zatai so they could compete with Khan. But then also helps that Khan has a, a pretty terrible tournament. Gotcha. Uh, the RNG being slow starters, I mean, they didn't, didn't they only get there one day beforehand, so they were pretty jet lagged? Yeah, they got there 23 hours. So I literally, uh, it was maybe five hours before my flight, and I was downloading VODs for the airplane, and I walked into the office, and uh, normally the office is like super dead at that time because everyone should be home and asleep. It was like filled with people, and they were all freaking out. And I just remember looking over at the closest person and be like, uh, what's happening? He goes, RNG don't have their visas. We're trying to get them right now. And I was like, oh uh. my God. <laughs> I just slowly sat down. I was like, this isn't my problem. Nice. Yeah, so like, I think I can understand them looking a little rusty the first couple of days. Uh, probably were not <laughs> quite ready. Oh, yeah. But they were they were definitely jet lagged and they were getting blasted in scrims, so morale was down. Nice. But okay. they bounced back. Uh, so you mentioned that, like, you think uh, RNG is not the best team. You think it's IG, right? With the Shy? Yep. So, like, I get. How are you like upset that RNG went a little bit because you didn't get to see IG go and like prove, I don't know how, how you feel like China won beating Korea, but it wasn't even like your best team. I don't know if that makes it better or worse. Uh, it's really hard to kind of separate this idea of clutch or miracle factor because uh, here's the thing, RNG definitely won off the back of like clutch miracle plays that only Uzi could do. Like there's no way Jackie Love pulls off those, those Kaiser performances and there's no way that the, uh, the pick and ban phase goes the same where you get a priority pick Ezreal every single time and Kings don't have to wait. Like, do we let the Kaiser go through? Do we let the Ezreal go through? Are we going to retain the Karma ban? Like Invictus Gaming, that that completely changes because IG cannot do that. It would be uh, throwing bans at the mid laner because you're trying to either ban out the Shy or Rookie. So uh, Invictus Gaming could not have won the same way that RNG won because of the, the makeup of the team is so vastly different. But in my opinion, Invictus Gaming stylistically are the perfect team to dismantle RNG. And we saw that repeatedly throughout the domestic split because they were in the same conference. They faced each other twice in a best of three. And IG absolutely smashed RNG. It wasn't even close. Um, and then for the best of five, of course, they had to start Duke. And I understand the argument that Duke didn't play poorly uh, and that there's no real difference to how Duke and the Shy would play. There's a complete difference to how Duke and the Shy would play. Uh, simply because when you're facing the Shy, you must leverage bans at him. And so what happened in the best of five against RNG and Invictus Gaming is that without having to ban the Shy's effective champion pool, they got to leverage bans at Rookie, and then Rookie got poor matchups, and Xiaohu played like a god. So for people who don't know how good the Shy is, maybe you can explain. Isn't, like, IG's record with him, like, 30 and 2 or something, and then with Duke, yeah. it's, like, 8 and 8 or, or something? I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's basically, like, a 50% win rate versus, like, 90-plus. Uh, yeah, so uh, over 70% of Invictus Gaming's losses, and I think it's closer to 80% now since playoffs, were actually with Duke versus the Shy. Um, 
if you think about SMED, if you think about Khan, if you think about world-class top laners, like there was a, a debate that if the Shy ever got a hold of these guys in a one-on-one, -on -one, that he would absolutely smash them. His Fiora is is godly. Hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of why I was disappointed that, that IG didn't go, because I was like, man, I like I love. Don't get me wrong, but I would have loved to see like another, I don't know, Chinese superstar in that sense, because it does feel like it's the the Uzi show when you start talking about the LPL and stuff like that. Well, well he's, at least he won his first international tournament, so I'm glad he won, I guess. So maybe we should get into calls now. Uh, Mark, do you want to get, do the spiel? I shall spiel away. So for people who have not watched the show before, I'll be spamming in Twitch chat right now a link to our Discord that we'll be using to take calls from chat. Once you join the Discord, there's going to be... Uh, a channel called pleb calls or sub calls you're going to want to join one of those depending if you're a sub to this channel or not uh, and then after you join that voice channel for pleb calls in the text channel that says pleb topics you're going to go type in whatever it is you want to talk about on today's episode so uh, try and make sure you express your opinion don't say i want to talk about the lpl with frost be like I disagree that IG is the best team in, in China, and I want to talk to Frosk about that. Like, make sure you state your opinion in your topic. I'll pull you down, if I like it, into the waiting room, where I'll then check your mic, make sure everything's good to go before finally pulling you into the on-air room. Yep. I promise I won't go Parth on people. <laughs> Do it! That's the best part. That's what always makes Reddit. Just just tweak yeah. out on one person. They get makes Reddit and gets people. I still There was an interview thread recently where some guy was like, freaking out about how and they he said they were gonna, he was going to downvote every reddit th thread that i have that uh because of the parth thing so people still losing their minds about that uh and by I the way if you live i was like parth gets to do what every like personality has wanted to do to the reddit community at some point everyone sees that reddit comment and they start typing up their super long response and like <laughs> yeah. no it's not worth it they just delete it yeah well, don't don't align yourself with him because otherwise you'll get flamed. Um, I oh the other thing I want to say um, is if you are a sub, you get access to a sub calls and subtopics uh, section. Uh, that doesn't guarantee that you'll be picked or that you'll whatever, but it it just there's a little less spam in those uh, channels, so it does give you a bit of a higher chance. So it's just a way of uh, thanking uh, subs for their support. And as Mark is grabbing uh, some more people. I wanted to uh, just give a couple shout-outs uh, to... Wow, Wilbacola went crazy here. Uh, Soret uh, resubbed. Oh, Brooksy32 subbed. Soret resubbed. And says, A Korea lost. Less than three. Bloodstrive subbed. Rice81 uh, subbed. Wilbacola gifted sub to Matei. Emeroche Fort. Alir and Navi1995. Thank you, Wilbacola. As always, your support's great. Soaring Beef resubbed and says, I love your interviews. KW Salt, 500 bits. Uh, Decent ADC resubbed. Peter in the back. Poggers. Yes, that is Peter. Wilbacola donated $5. How much would Peter sell Travis for? Peter would never sell me. Uh, Mellow Jello, 100 resubbed. Uh, Connor, 314. Gaylord, 1804. Red Bell Z and MyPS. Thank you, everyone, for your support. Looks like Mark has uh, some callers and is getting ready to pull them at the moment. Uh, so we should have somebody any second. Again, thanks, everyone, for watching Hotline League. Uh, this first one back. This is the last time that I'll be in this room because I'm moving into my new place uh, Your new on place Thursday. looks pretty nice. What's that? 
Your new place looks nice. Oh, you saw pictures of it? Yeah, you showed everyone pictures at your birthday. Mm, <laughs> I don't remember that. Hey, Mike Spam is here. Mike Spam. Yeah, I'm back. Welcome back to the show. Where are you calling from? Still Seattle. Still Seattle. Well, I went to cool school in Seattle, so awesome. Where at? Uh, Capitol Hill. Mm. There you go. Uh, there is a, a woman that you can't see that lives in Seattle. She's somewhere back here in the bed. Hello? Is her name Bonnie? Did she fall asleep? Okay. There she is. It is Bonnie. Um, anyway, what do you want to talk about on the show, Mike Spam? So, for the first time in forever, China now has a very strong performance at an international event where they smashed Korea. And... Korea looked pretty bad. So I'm curious if Frost thinks that because of that, Western viewership is going to start migrating from Korea to China. Western hmm. viewership, do you mean like people that watch LCK will now watch LPL? Yes, because they're at the same time zone, right? So it would be the same audience where... They might have gone to Korea because Korea is the dominant region and I want to watch the best. And now we have all, we've always had big names in China, but now they have the international success to say, hey, you should pay attention to us instead. And they are finally, like, they've upped their production value because for a long time, China, like the LPL broadcast was people in Australia getting like a restream of a Chinese feed or something like that. So there's another reason that maybe it'll happen. Um, so we actually have actual record of this. Back in 2015, when EDG won MSI, there was also a viewership bump um, for the English LPL product. As like you were saying, viewers got to choose, okay, if I'm going to watch one secondary league between LCK and LPL, I prefer to watch the better one. Uh, that said, it, it's not a huge percentage or demographic that move over from the LCK. And I think it's kind of the same mentality that uh, fans are fans of teams or players they're not necessarily fans of leagues themselves i guess a hardcore percentage of the audience will start paying closer attention to the lpl but that's still a smaller demographic um i mean i know na and eu don't compete in terms of like their viewership hours but you don't necessarily see like western fans moving over from watching na to eu or eu to na depending on who does better internationally um it is true that while the lpl broadcast has leveled up significantly in multiple ways having you know, access to being in the venue, access to players like when we did our Uzi or rookie interviews and trying to make Western-based content. Uh, the reality of the situation is you're not just competing with the league itself. You're also competing with the likes of Papa Smithy. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that the LPL broadcast uh, is comparable in talent to what the LCK is also offering to an English audience. Uh, and I think what was also very interesting is that when Monty and Doa left, a lot of people thought that it might be the death of the English LCK broadcast because their brands were so integrated so heavily. Uh, but Papa Smithy actually showcased that it was able to survive. Now, yes, there was a good handoff between like Monty, you know, raising Papa up, making sure they had that tri-cast finals. And then Papa uh, turned out to be a superstar in terms of the English casting world. Um, but I think something that will still continuously hurt the LPL is the caliber of casting talent. Um, and it's something that our team is trying to plan for development goals so that we can, you know, hit the ground running and, and try to intake an increased uh, viewership number because of the success at MSI, but we don't expect it to be a massive bump. And usually when these bumps happen, they hit hard and then they peter off. So it's about now making sure that when the LPL starts on January 11th, that, excuse me, June 11th, that uh, it's the best product possible and retains that, that high expectation. Do you so think, then... oh, sorry, oh, go, ahead. go ahead, Mike Spam. Uh, 
So let's say going into Worlds, we get the same result as MSI, and now we've had a year of international events where China outperforms Korea. Do you think that is a do you think that will have a bigger bump and a longer tail than what happened in 2015 where yes, EDG did win, but it was with SKT in a slump, jet lagged, and then Korea won Worlds anyway. Uh, yeah, it'll definitely help to have continued amounts of success. And again, like you'll continuously hit that core viewership of people who want to watch the best. Um, but despite how vocal that core viewership or that demographic is on things like social media and Reddit, um, it's actually a very small percentage of uh, viewership, even when you have our viewership makeup. Um, a lot of our views right now uh, come from the fact that we also broadcast on Chinese platforms. So it's very interesting with the English broadcast is not just intaking Western English fans right now, but also Chinese fans that would normally watch the Chinese product who are moving over into the LPL English product because they like the focus on uh, hardcore analysis um, versus the Chinese product, which is much more like narrative and production driven. Um, again, that said, it's it's always going to be uh, a fact that people will have like their favorite teams. If you watch the LCK, you do it because you like Faker and you like that style. If you watch the LPL, I think it would be very strange to watch the LPL because you think it's the best league in the world. Uh, because the reason why you should watch the LPL, it's the it's the best to watch league in the world. It's the most exciting. It does things very differently than any other league. I remember when people were complaining about the Spellbook meta and how boring it was and how long it made games. The LPL averaged a seven minute uh, game time difference where our games were you know, ending that much faster because things were so sped up. And I look at social media and everyone in NA and EU and Korea is, is bitching, oh, you know, the stalls out games, the stopwatch is a terrible meta. And meanwhile, in the LPL, we're using stopwatches to perfectly set up dives and having these incredibly bloody and exciting games and using all of these different creative strategies, um, multiple teleports, like on every single position. So there was a reason why RNG were able to adapt very quickly to the multiple teleport meta that came out in the uh, King Zone games. And it's because it started, you know, week one in the LPL, but no one was really paying attention. So don't watch the LPL because you think it's the best. Watch the LPL because you actually want to watch exciting games. So two things, uh, just to chime in. Like the 2015 thing was interesting too, because while EDG did win, it was like a best of five and they had that really crazy game five, you know, draft where everyone's like, oh my God, they baited his LeBlanc for the Morgana and all that stuff. Uh, and it felt like, you know, like, yes, well, China did get the win. I think a lot of people weren't like, this proves China's better, whereas this was a pretty decisive win. And a lot of people are arguing it's not even China's best team. So maybe that helps this victory stick a little bit better. But the other thing I was going to ask was for Frost about, like, how much do you care about that Reddit? And maybe this is not quite the right way of phrasing it, but, like, how much do you care about that Reddit, English-speaking, Western audience coming over to the LPL? And how much do you care about, like, generating the hype within china and the lpl itself and like having more of those fans come over to the english broadcast there's a really interesting discussion and right now our like our focus on our base is the western audience if we're making the lpl english product we're doing it for english speaking fans um as opposed to you know chinese fans that are moving from the chinese platform into the uh, english platform and the reason that we're having the discussion is we're starting to see a disparity in terms of like the percentage of population moving over. At some point, we will need to reevaluate that if our core audience is actually Chinese fans that watch the English product, um, then we have to like move our content and our palette towards them uh, because the Eastern palette and the Western palette are so vastly different. But right now, as it stands, even if the viewership numbers are dwarfed by Chinese fans watching our stream versus English speaking fans watching our stream, um, 
it's it's about the Western audience. When we release content, we do it in mind of what would a North American fan or a European fan want to see. Um, what I think is also interesting is our focus has been on North American fans, even though our time zone is better suited for European fans. So uh, into the future, I know one of my main targets is to look at the European audience, figure out specifically what they want that's different from a North American audience and start marketing directly towards them with content just because their their time zone is so much easier to watch the LPL. We usually feed directly into the EU LCS. Frosk, what time does uh, LPL start, like the broadcast starts? Somebody in Twitch chat is asking um, for like uh, California and like European time. 2 p.m. or no, excuse me, 2 a.m. for Pacific Standard Time and usually like 9 a.m. for Berlin time. Gotcha. So okay. early morning for Europeans and very, very late evening or early morning for North American fans. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I'm just uh, interested to see how all this stuff develops. Because I, I, I actually think it'd be really cool to see more uh, people watching LPL and to see the LPL grow. Um, and maybe we'll see, like, if China wins Worlds uh, this year, that maybe we will start to see more of that. But um, I mean, China... I, I said this before, and I'll continuously say it until hopefully it's like oversaturated in the market. China will be the strongest region in the world. I give it about three years time. And people then assume that, you know, how can you make that statement? You're then assuming that all the other regions stagnate. And it's not about that. It's about the speed of growth that China is doing. If you want to know what esports is going to look like in 20 years or what it should look like uh, in the future, China is what you look at. We have five separate venues on a traveling circuit. We have two different conferences just like what the nba does i assume and i don't know this for sure that we'll probably move to four conferences have north east west and south um you have third party tournaments like the demacia cup and uh nest things like that as well as the the actual league itself you have non-endemic sponsors so there's no cap there like the thing is, is if a company comes in like let's say samsung or something like that you cap yourself on what an endemic sponsor can give you versus like a private sponsor. Um, you have a fully established development league in the LDL, which has over 20 teams is effectively a farm league for the LPL. And then you have it expanding from 14 to 20 teams. So the sheer money resources and population means that the caliber of talent or the, the amount of talent that you have in terms of rookies to continually inject into your scene is much higher than everywhere else. And as the game gets older and people like these veterans start retiring or, or moving away from the scene, China will have a much larger base to pull from than any other league in the world. I think what's really cool about that too is like, I would say season three, season four, maybe even part of season five, China kind of had this image of being this like kind of like rough and tumble, like billionaire son play thing and the players run everything and a lot of like the staff is there as like yep. babysitters, like and that's, that's not the case at all anymore. So it's, it is, I, I think you need to keep saying that because I think a lot of people probably still have that image where it's like literally like, oh, there's there's Imp with like his his little dog bag thing. Like, I think that's what a lot of Western fans probably still think of the scene a little bit. And they don't know that it's grown to be this like crazy, insanely like. LGD. Yeah. It's literally the perfect example of that because you have the departure of pretty much their entire roster and most importantly you have the departure of PYL who if you have this perception of you know the players run everything and it's just kind of like this rock star you know uh, get a shit ton of money and, and GTFO um, with LGD kind of gutting the roster and with PYL specifically leaving it and moving to a team like Rogue Warriors that's uh, 
if you wanted a bigger signpost of things are changing, there is more infrastructure, there is more management, there are more level ups that are happening from a support staff system, that is that is the largest one you're going to get. Mike Spam, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, started a good Thanks discussion. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, no. Shout out to a real foxy for gifting me a sub. Thanks a bunch. Yeah, very good. Thank or you. Was it real foxy or was it Boba Cola? I don't remember. Well, they you can shout them foxy, both out. But yeah. yeah. He's like, I got so many subs, I just can't even remember. Yeah. Thank you, Mike Spam. Real Foxy's favorite thing to do is to gift like a really high name streamer. And it pops up like somebody has just subscribed, but it, you know. Real Foxy gifted Cop during that call, but I think Cop is actually watching right now. Hold on. I see in the chat that someone doesn't understand the PYL reference. Um, So LGD as an organization, from everything that I've heard about them, they were mostly player run. Uh, And you could see this a lot with their their roster for a very long time. um, So there's what we call pillars of the LPL. And think of these like your CLGs or your TSMs, these organizations that have been around since the very beginning of the league. um, And we have four teams, Invictus Gaming, Team WE, OMG, and LGD, which are our four oldest organizations that have been around since 2013 when the LPL started. And for the longest time, LGD were just kind of this irrelevant, mediocre, mid-tier team. And a big part of that was because they never upgraded their roster, even with the influx of a lot of the money that came over in 2015 when they started picking up all the Samsung players. Um, And slowly the pieces would change out. But LGD would continuously hold on into weaker players, if you will, their uh, jungler TBQ comes to mind. And it was of the community's perception that uh, they would hold on to these players because of their friendships and internal dynamics with PYL, who had a much larger voice and say in the team than necessarily management being like, we need to completely gut the roster because we want to actually have success on an international stage. Now, they kind of got the best of both worlds when they went off into Worlds. uh, But ultimately, if anyone remembers 2015 Worlds, it was a massive collapse. And a lot of that does have to do with the management and infrastructure behind LGD. So them gutting the roster right now and removing PYL is massive because for the longest time, he's been their signature player and their spokesperson uh, and kind of like the heart and soul of that team. So it's just like uh, times are changing for the LPL. And we're going to move into the next call. I want to give a shout out to uh, my PS who's resubbed for six months. Kiroda who resubbed for three. Larry is batty. Uh, Real Foxy gifted us up to Mike Spam. Real Foxy gifted us up to Cop, Nbell nine one six three, and Ventus Official. Thank you everyone for the subs. Really appreciate it. Uh, my stream where ne- Peter earlier was saying I have almost as many subs as him. Um, he said it with a hint of jealousy and rage in his voice. I mean, it's probably just because you're the better streamer. That's true. Uh, Dragon Mancers is on the show. Dragon Mancer, where are you calling from? I'm calling from uh, the Dallas area. Dallas area. Have you been on before? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Uh, what do you want to talk about on the show today? Well, I'm coming in and talking about why, uh, how the gap is actually closing really between regions, like a lot of people have been saying, and uh, how this MSI shows that and why that is. So is is the gap closing... Uh, why, okay, well, first off, why don't we let you sort of uh, break it down. Why do you think the gap has closed, and why do you think this MSI shows it? Because a lot of people will disagree with this. So I want to get your take on it. Well, I think because a lot of the mistakes that Western teams, specifically TL and the like, have been making have been – it shows, like, the mental state of that team 
is not in the right place when they're playing. And specifically with uh, Kingzone and how their performance went down, uh, you could see that for some, for whatever reason, their mental state isn't in the right spot, and so they're not performing to their actual standards and where they should be. And so they're not performing at their skill level, which is very similar to what happened with uh, like TL and uh, Fnatic. Yeah, I mean, it and, seemed like everyone's mental was a little tilted at, at this event. Which is kind of what I... Uh not necessarily favor about this MSI, but there's this interesting conversation where a lot of times when people refer to uh, the gaps or, or, you know, like a, a team putting on a superior performance, a lot of the time they look at it sp specifically through gameplay or somehow that it only equates to gameplay. But I do like that this MSI has brought up the conversation about, you know, the, the mental infrastructure behind these teams, because a lot of the times for a very long time, it has been this intangible something that a lot of the uh, community doesn't necessarily have visibility of. And it is so important. I cannot express how when you pull back the curtain and you look at what's happening to these teams from the inside out, some of these, you know, massive upsets or just straight dominations in terms of international or even domestic uh, success are simply because of a mental resiliency or just uh, a morale boost or momentum. I know that casters a lot of time use these intangible words that don't necessarily mean anything to to viewers, but I do wish that the community would start it's kind of like the joke, like the players are, are human. You need to understand what's happening on the inside. But a lot of the time when you do see a team take a straight nosedive, it does have something to do with something that's going on internally with the team rather than, you know, strategically, they've just been figured out. Or this guy's champion pool is just uh, ass. Or this guy's just performing poorly. Like, he's just not good. Uh, majority of the time, it is a, a much deeper discussion. And unfortunately, due to the limitations that the casters have, you know, we can't go and talk to a player and then use what we find on stage and be like, well, yeah, I was talking to this guy backstage and he says that his fucking team sucks right now. So obviously they're probably not going to do well. And so it's like, uh, I predict that this team's probably going to win. Cause I just think that strategically they're better. So unfortunately it's a lot of reading between the lines. And I actually wish that we were closer to traditional sports where you do have those conferences at the very end, but it's hard to lock down coaches like this, where a coach gets in front of, or a player gets in front of a, a press room and does give you know, like a very almost in-depth interview where you don't necessarily reveal things strategically, but you do have a conversation about team health, player health, um, a team that are, a direction in, or a direction that a team is going in so you can see goals because I think it is so interesting and such a key part of the conversation when it does come to success on a domestic and international stage. But fortunately, we're, we're not allowed to have it because of the, the access that we do get to these organizations. Are you talking about like doing a... Like this would be before the events, like similar to uh, on sports world, you have like after a... games. Yeah, like well, the unfortunately, like the interviews that we do right now are just uh, they're they're pretty bitch basic. Um, in all honesty, <laughs> yeah, kind of fluffy. Exactly, and it's all just kind of fluff, and you know that's good because uh, part of us we do we need to wait like building up the players' brands and trying to make the, make them more successful, so we offer more security. Um, but at the end of the day, if we really do want to take kind of like the next turn in and esports and it'll become more of a traditional sport we do need to start having these conversations but it's about finding that that good middle ground where you're still building up the players and offering the security so the scene can grow but then also having these more interesting in my opinion discussions i think the the mental state one too is difficult because unless you know for sure or it's very obvious based off like a player benched himself or the team got in here a day ago like that uh it, it does i think for fans sometimes feel like weird to be talking about a team's mental state if if you don't have like that story and then sometimes even as a broadcaster you do have the story but you're not allowed to tell it 
instead you're like yeah they're just they're really rough uh and like i think you know in north america that happened uh with clutch and like how badly they got rolled in the third quarter third place match like they didn't think they have a chance like their their mental state was pretty bad and like you know i think the other team i think uh echo fox would have won anyways but it's this like hard thing to talk about we're like as the broadcasting we're hearing a bunch of stories about like what's going on and it's like oh we can't really tell those um what um can we uh kind of get back to the original topic which was oh, the right. gap closing um oh. because so so do you do you guys think uh and maybe mark will start with you do you think that this msi represents that the gap is closing and that we're seeing like a a, a more close situation with all these teams I don't think it's fair to say the gap is universally closing. Like, I think it's closing between certain regions. Um, Which regions, Mark? I think between the LPL and the LCK. And I think between the, fuck, I always mess it up. The, the Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah, North VCS. America. Yeah, VCS in, in North America. And then I think Europe and North America didn't really feel like they got substantially closer to, to anything. Like, it's not crazy that teams in the best of one stage have taken games away from Chinese teams and even, you know, like beaten them sometimes. So I, I didn't, I didn't walk away from this tournament. Like, wow, that's much better uh, for us. I just, I was very surprised by the LPL and how good they looked. And I don't think the, the VCS like looked better here than they did last world, but they are consistently showing themselves to be the best wildcard region when, you know, a year ago before last MSI, we had no fucking clue who they were. And now they're by far the best, wildcard region and, and they're going to overtake us pretty soon i think but. i feel like when the people talk about the gap is closing um they still view it through the lens of like skill like a uh, a team is at this skill and the other team is at this skill and maybe it moves like this or maybe it moves like this um but i think it is far more a conversation about consistency um mm -hmm. i think it's very fair to say that fanatic tl even the vcs to an extent um in fact let's go all the teams it was just a matter of who was more consistent on the day who was actually hitting their top performance um i said a long time ago and i got super flamed for this by the way reddit <laughs> where yeah. uh, a team has you know like this high but at an international event they only hit here and they sometimes peak to that but about like 10 percent. otherwise they were playing down here and that is why you see either you know upsets or or dominance um and when we talk about the the gap is closing, it, it actually should be a conversation about consistently hitting what your actual skill level is versus having these things like emotional problems and infrastructure problems that are then uh, swinging the consistency. And when we think about Korean teams, yes, they are at a different skill level because, uh, again, you have infrastructure, money, resources, population that you get to uh, forge kind of the, the top tier talent in terms of like strategy, communication, mechanics. Um, but they also are incredibly consistent. When you when you talk about that Korean mystique in a best of five, it's the ability to consistently take the information that you're given and then build strategies around it and then execute on that so you just seem unstoppable. Whereas, uh, like, Koreans don't have six fingers. It's not like they just <laughs> play the game better because they have extra appendages. I think it is more so to do with these intangibles that impact consistency uh, and strategy rather than uh, at the highest level, they are simply that much better. See, well, especially I, like, uh, oh, I wanted to cut in where uh, I wanted to put a caveat on it, where the gap is closing skill-wise, like mechanically-wise. I mean, most I think of the international players are pretty, pretty close to each other, and 
the places where regions really, really need to focus their infrastructure on or uh, improve the most is those intangibles and getting your mindset in the right place and having an infrastructure that helps your players get there. So I would say I think that the idea of skill being limited to mechanics, uh, if that's how you want to use it, fine, but I think that's like a really narrow way to look at it because I don't think there's been like individual players, there's like mechanical gaps where you're just like, oh my God, like Faker, Uzi, like these level of players, like yes, their mechanics are better, but like a lot of the times, like across a whole roster, it's not like they're significantly better. Um, like, I don't think that they are like just outright mechanically better than the North American players or, or something like that. I think a lot of the skill comes down to like game knowledge and game circumstance understanding yep. and what they need to do to win and how to clear waves properly and move around the map and ward correctly. And like, I think those gaps are, have been and continue to be significantly bigger than the mechanical. But, but I also think Dragon Mancers is getting at the sort of mental situation. Like I think right, right, right. a lot of the problems we were seeing with TL and Fnatic were more like mental, emotional, like sort of team stuff rather than, even like macro, even like just literally everything that was outside of the game. Right. And I would say to that point, sure. Like I, I think North America actually developed pretty quickly amongst the international scene or like at least decently on the same pace compared to everywhere, but maybe Korea. Like we were definitely ahead of Europe in infrastructure and might still be, but like that's, we're, we're still placing consistently behind them. So how much do you want to put on infrastructure and things like that? Uh, I, I think you know, mechanical skill is often what people talk about, but I, I think it, it's one of the one of the smaller portions of why North American slash Western teams struggle for sure. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's kind of want to bring this up because a lot of people keep bringing up mechanical skill, and it's like, well, that's not where the difference is. That's not what we should really be talking about in these circumstances. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I think we have uh, proof of that. You know, when we do send our Western players internationally, I Caps is probably the best recent example. You know, he was able to compete with international mid laners and yeah faker and rookie weren't at this tournament but caps was still styling on kids showcasing that it wasn't the uh it wasn't the ability to press buttons he was great at doing that it was the ability to not die solo as many times as he was doing and just as mark was saying that individual decision making very good hey thank you so much uh for the call dragomancers really appreciate it thanks for having me thanks so much um by the way very funny nice try ian is in the chat right now, just watching the stream. Uh, that's Peter's YouTube editor. So I love the idea that Peter's YouTube editor is so dedicated to his job that he's literally watching a stream that Peter's just in the background of, just in the case that there's like a chance that Peter does something interesting that he needs to clip out for his, his stream. He's just like, enhance, zoom in, clean up that footage. Is that impressive or creepy? The best YouTube editor for a stream is just someone who like is obsessed is, with you. Is there really a difference between obsessive and creepy? He's just yeah, the best. I guess not. He's the best. That's what Peter there's says. There's a lot of people in here. There's D-Lim. There's McCain. D-Lim is the coach of the clutch game. Who cares about D-Lim? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not you. Just kidding. I love, I love David. Okay. Um... Well, wait, did you ever work, or did you work with David whenever you were on TL for like five minutes? Yeah, and then he always memes me about playing Kog'Maw with Colstar because that was the game I played like shit at Worlds. Good question. He always memes me about all my worst games, basically. Nice. And you still love him? 
Um, I mean, he only does that because I love him. Oh. So if you didn't love him, he'd be nice to you? Yeah. I think so. Okay. It's the ones that we love the most that we hurt or something. Are you leaving, Broden? Yeah. Okay. I feel goodbye. like all of our callers have been quite soft-spoken or softballs on these questions. I was expecting some, uh, some fire. They're I afraid. Ever since Parth screamed at somebody, they they've no, all been. I think even even generally, babies. like on any show, it's like eighty percent nice civil discussion, and then like towards the end, or at some random point, like someone comes in with a wacky idea, or is like, TSM's not going to make it to Worlds this split, and you're like, why is that? And it's like because I hate them. <laughs> and you're like, well, <laughs> uh, are you? Is it worth doing an ad right now, block? Travis? Now that you're leaving. Thank you, Boba Cola. Is that the ad? No, that's not the ad. That's just Broden say, saying thank you for the cam link. Because Broden, uh, yeah. Uh, Broden's leaving, hopefully to work on the second Miami vlog, because we've been waiting quite some time. Uh, no. second Broden. Miami vlog coming? It's been like a month. Yeah, Broden, did you hear what? that? Mark just said there's a second Miami vlog coming. It's been like a month. Yeah, the footage was He keeps saying the footage was corrupted. It was never corrupted. He just says that. Was actually There's fine. no way that if the footage was corrupted that now you're using Yeah, it's, he's, he's just had the footage spinning on a server for the past month, and now it's finally uncorrupted. It's, it's this, like, really hard editing technique where you got to uncorrupt the footage, but, like, yeah. It, it took me a while, but it's finally getting there. Go away. Um, all right. Well, Broden is going to be editing that vlog on an Omen by HP computer. Uh, and you know why? Because they're such amazing uh, partners. It's an Omen by HP computer, much like the one that this show is being broadcast on, much like the laptop that I have in my hands. Um, what? Why are you still standing there? He's Go edit on the Omen by HP Ross, computer. You're supposed to pick up an Omen by HP product right now. Do you not have one readily available? I assumed that Travis was going oh, to so gift me one, drama. but I didn't get it. Ah. This is the Kanye way to hold the laptop. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So if, if you were Kanye West, sponsored by Omen by HP, you could just hold it like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you don't know, this show is sponsored by Omen by HP. Uh, no, 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 don't do that, that Frost. That's the opposite of what we want right now. Um, this show is sponsored by Omen by HP. Uh, they support the, this show. They support... Uh, many other things. They support uh, CLG, for instance, uh, Overwatch League, uh, RNG, who just won MSI. I'm not Woo! saying uh, that the fact that RNG sponsored by Owen by HP is the reason they won MSI. I'm just saying, you know, uh, it's definitely, possibly, there's maybe some correlation. Who knows? Maybe, maybe if you had an Owen by HP computer, you would also be winning MSI. Let's just put it that way. Who knows? But... Listen, listen to those key presses. Yeah, listen let's... to how precise and accurate that is. You think the gap is closing? Owen will close that gap for you. <laughs> I can't even see what buttons I'm pressing, but I just know because the keyboard is so good. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mark. That's it up. Um... <laughs> no, but uh, for real, thank you uh, so much to Owen by HP for supporting... Uh, this stream and the show. I'm trying to think of something interesting you guys could tweet at them. Um, uh, hmm. Maybe you guys can yeah, just all tweet. You are at... so bad at these ads. No, I'm, I'm great at them. Do you have a script? No, well, I used to have a script. And then I, I... Uh, they, I realized that the ads are much more entertaining when we don't have a script. 
Um, and so that's what we're trying to do here is, is bring entertainment. Uh, but if you want to, if, if anybody wants to go uh, thank Omen by HP on Twitter, they can do so at that Twitter. I just put it in the description. It'll also be, uh, or sorry, I just put it in the Twitch chat. It'll also be in the description of the YouTube uh, channel or the YouTube video. Um, they, they make shows like this possible. Um, and it's really appreciated. Uh, we used their equipment whenever we were on the trip at all the videos and everything that you saw, uh, from MSI were edited on Owen by HP hardware, um, and RNG's victory, maybe who knows attributed to that? Who knows? Who knows? But anyway, thank you so much to Owen by HP for the support. Uh, really appreciate it. Be sure to follow them and check them out. And they do some, uh, some content on their own uh, Twitch channel. So you can go follow them there as Have you well. Have you ever seen a Bill Burr's plugs on like uh, his podcast for stuff? Broden, Are you talking or, to me or you're Travis? You're leaving too, Peter? Both Go Alienware, to... yeah! Okay, that is actually the opposite of what I need. A really bad thing to do. Just kidding. Uh, no, but I have been meaning to listen to Bill Burr's podcast. So he does like, he's just really, because it's his own podcast and like it's not even like his main thing. He doesn't really, he doesn't, he doesn't super care if he makes money off it. He just like, if you give him like a read that's dumb, he'll just like shit on the copy that you give him or like, one time he was promoting a product and then he like turned like in the middle of it was like wait this is actually the dumbest thing ever and just shit on it and like <laughs> he just doesn't care and he's so like brutally honest about like what he's plugging like, well i do really like, care about omen by hp i want to thank them for i know the it, they make a good product so we don't need to do it but i'm just yeah. saying it's so funny if you watch his like sherry's berries thing just... yeah somebody in twitch chat uh just said a second ago um that they they somebody said literally oh they have a computer for less than a a really good computer a for grand. less than a thousand dollars they have uh, somebody was just tweeting at me uh, this morning actually uh, me and Owen by HP about um, some deal that they have right now uh, it's an i7 processor and a 1050 graphic card for uh, 800 bucks so not that bad you can guys see that tweet on my Twitter either way thank you so much we're gonna get into another call nice. we're gonna get into another call Mark you want to go grab somebody. Do you want me to grab somebody? Uh, I would love for you to grab somebody. Oh, okay. Hit me with that heat. Get me with that fire. Come on, callers. Mark. Mark did grab somebody. You didn't even go to yeah, the other channel to grab them. Wait, I did. You just didn't look. Oh. <laughs> OPTSM fan is in the chat. OPTSM fan, where are you calling from? Uh, Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. Oh, Another Texas person. Texans. Texan, uh, Texas after Texas. Wait, here's um, a question. Before he starts, do you drink your milk with ice in it? Me? Yeah. Oh, no, God. The other no. Texan. Okay. That I sounds that so was... bad. See, I, my, I grew up with a family of Texans right next to me, and I thought it was the weirdest thing. They would all have ice in their milk, but they explained it was because it was so fucking hot in Texas that they would have to put ice in it because they'd rather have watery milk than drink warm milk by the sun. What? No, no. I was just clarifying if they were crazy or if it was all Texans. Thank you for I, answering. You know, that might just be a small town Texas thing where they may not be able to like have like good refrigerators or something like that. But I don't. I, I actually have no idea. That's the first time I've ever heard of that. Why don't you just not buy milk if that's a problem? Like, there's other things you can have for breakfast or whatever. You don't need the milk. It's gonna be warm 100% of the time. Can to we... this day, because of it, I drink milk with ice in it. Can we get into the? Oh, wait, you do that? Well, yeah, because I grew up with them. Uh, Can we? Okay. 
I'm ready for your question now. Can we, can we get into the we get in the show? Okay. OPTSM yeah. fan, thanks for being a sub. What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, I wanted to present this uh, idea because uh, I've been watching a lot of LPL this past season because I bought into the IG hype train uh, mainly because like you know I've always heard about rookie 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 and then I was just watching him I was like he's playing Lucian mid when he's doing this and it, he's just dominating on it but my main point is that I think NA should stop trying to copy Korea and needs to copy the LPL in terms of macro because I feel like their solo queue environment kind of cultivates more of a air quote fiesta style that we kind of paint the LPL with the big brush about and trying to practice this uh, Korean style of like calculated, you know, loss reduction style doesn't really fit in a solo queue. Before, before Frost gets into that, I want to, I'm curious, Mark, does, do you think NA just copies LCK? Cause I've seen this many times before where people all say like, NA loses because they're just trying to top, copy Korea, but I've never like, I've never heard a team or a player or anybody like that be like, "Well, we were just trying to do that LCK stuff." Um, and so I'm just kind of curious about that part of his premise. Um, I think Korea is the most emulated region in the world, uh, most likely, but I don't feel like people are just copying Korea blindly, for the most part, like. I think people like when Hecarim top became a thing, you know, it was done in Korea on whoever no phase team was who's coaching them. It started in China. They started in China then. Well, so that's exactly proves my point. <laughs> I didn't know it came from China. <laughs> it came from Korea as far as I'm aware. Uh, but that one. <laughs> fucking... <laughs> that's kind of to my point though. Like everyone yeah, yeah. just assumes that the meta starts in, in Korea and they want to copy that. Well, Double I don't, tier I don't, also started in China. Yeah, so I didn't... Double tier, I didn't touch. But, like, that was all over Reddit, I know. Um, but, like, other regions have done things, too. Like, famously in Season 3, Kassadin was, like, played all the time by Europe. And Korea was like, haha, Kassadin sucks balls. What are you doing? And then they lost to it. And then it went on to become 90% pick ban rate for all of Season 4. If I get the timeline right. Maybe it was Season 2 into Season 3. I forget. But either way, like... I'm not saying everyone copies Korea, but like if Korea is doing it, it's probably decent. And that's why and people just watch a lot of Korea. But I don't think people blindly follow Korea in that sense. So what I was going to say with that Hecarim story was like it happened a little bit in Korea. There was like one team or two teams that did it. And then Gravity brought it over to North America. And they were the first team to start doing it over here. And we actually beat a bunch of people who shout were playing it a little. Uh, actually, shout out to LS. Cop ah. was not coaching them at the time, I'm pretty sure. Um, was he not competing? Oh, no, yeah, right. He might have been... I don't know if Alltech was, was playing yet or not. Either way, the point is, we played against it. We beat it. We didn't think it was that great. We, we played it the first the first time they brought it out in competition. We beat it with, like, Kennen top, building Iceborne Gauntlet or something right away. So, Ken, like, I don't know. So, we weren't impressed. But then as we scrimmed against it more, we were like, oh, this actually is really good. And then Hecarim top was, like, super meta for a really long time. Um and so I guess where I'm going with this story is like no one blindly like copies Korea like oh this they played this thing I play this thing now like it it does usually go through like a a pretty I don't know if vetting process is the right term but like people do try things for themselves and sometimes they don't agree that like oh yeah Korea is doing it but I don't really like it it's just Smeb doing Smeb shit or like Baker's playing Aurelia mid no one copied that shit uh, 
before it got reworked and now everyone's playing it. Okay, so I taking know. OPTSM fans' statement um, and making it sort of, it, rather than drawing in so much inspiration from LCK, should they be drawing inspiration from LPL? Uh, I mean, I assume Frost going to say yes, because no. it's LPL. <laughs> we do the not. crazy shit, it's the best. Uh, I also think that there's an issue where Yes, I do think a lot of teams do look at the best region in the world, LCK, and they're trying to study or break down what they're doing. I know that some coaches have gone so far as to uh, create presentations for their teams about certain macro rotations or like a composition or something like that. But I do not think it is as intensive study as the community might believe. Um, and I also don't believe, and this is probably a bit of a flame, I do not believe that people also understand why Koreans do the things that they do. Um, or why the LPL does the things that they do. Like in talking with Western analysts uh, versus like Eastern analysts, like Papa Smithy and I view the game almost completely different than someone like uh, Deficio or Jot. And there are a lot of times when we will like cross and, and agree on things, but your region uh, really does leave kind of like a fingerprint on you. And it's so hard to say like, when the LPL is defined as a fiesta, it, it does tilt me a little bit because yes, the, the macro strategy isn't as nearly as developed as even you know some of the Western regions and especially not as Korea. Um, but the thing that people really seem to miss about the LPL is the beauty of the team fighting. And why I was always so sure that Fnatic would never be able to beat RNG is because Fnatic relied so heavily on team fighting, but they themselves, at least from me watching uh, their domestic season, their playoffs, and even them at MSI, they, they know how to team fight, so I'm not meaning this is a flame on Fnatic, but comparatively to the LPL teams, they do not understand team fighting. They do not understand where to set up a team fight. They do not understand uh, the perfect way to execute consistently in a team fight in terms of how they're layering their CC, uh, who is responsible for zoning who, who is keeping track of what cooldowns, and that is why they constantly were getting out team fought. Um, and I tried to point this out on the analyst desk, but I wish I, I wish I had taken it to the big screen just to show viewers. Um, specifically for me, it was Fnatic's inability to flank in team fights, and whether that's because of their lack of vision on side lane, so they were constantly getting pincer maneuvered by RNG. But even when Fnatic themselves attempt to pincer, uh, they just aren't as coordinated as they need to be to the LPL teams when when flanking from the side. So um, I feel like when I talk to a lot of Western players, when I talk to a lot of Western teams. Um, which I have a fairly limited scope in my examples with them, so this isn't indicative of everyone. It's more so about like matchups, about early game, about when you have a certain setup and, and your lane assignments. It's not necessarily about the how this composition works in terms of execution in a team fight. Whereas when I talk to a lot of LPL teams, they will sacrifice certain lane matchups. Uh, a very famous one was back when Lucian bot was, was dominating everything, the LPL would pick Twitch into it. And their mentality wasn't that Twitch beat Lucian, it was that Twitch lost to Lucian, so Lucian would be pushed in the lane, which opened him up for a gank. And Twitch's kill pressure with a jungler versus Lucian's kill pressure with a jungler in that 3v3 was, was stronger. So like literally the LPL's mentality is, we think Twitch is a counter to Lucian because he loses the lane and opens up the opportunity for a superior, superior 3v3. Like how how ass backwards is that? And you can't say that like that's the best way to play that because that could also go very wrong. But like this is how different the regions really think. And so to just say that NA copies Korea, I don't think is right. Like there are certain things like Mark is saying where you see something and you kind of vet it, but it's still fitting within the con uh, constraints of like North America's understanding on the meta, which is very different. And I'm not saying like superior or inferior, but just different. Okay, like I guess first off, I just want to. 
state that like I guess my you know the NA has left an imprint on me because I don't think it's a Fiesta style when it call it. I watch LPL all the time. I enjoy it, and I it's not only like good for viewership and like fun to watch, but because like every game comes down unless it's just a stomp every game comes down to who team fights better and if you know like you're saying from the get-go if that's the way the lpl comps are like designed is for like to have this is the way our team fight works in a you know in when we when we get to that stage and we're not just trying to pick lane matchups that benefit us in the early game and then we can try to move there and rotate and do all these things that other regions do i just think that in, in my opinion i think it's a cultural thing that one would be better for just na as a product like to look on at NALCS and see a lot more fighting as opposed to like when we have like teams going back and forth trading towers and then we get a 23 minute first blood and everyone's like oh finally but i i i don't know I, after hearing everything you you say i can understand why you know, you wouldn't want to just blindly copy. I don't think anyone blindly copies. There's a lot of really, really smart people in esports, but I think that if we looked more towards the LPL and the way that they address team comps or team fighting and stuff like that, that we would actually see more international success because I think we have the type of players who would benefit from that type of either play style or uh, those comps. Yeah, I think... Ah, think... oh, you go, Mark. Okay, I was going to say, I think it's it's like... It's very important for the players to like accept like committing to a play style or something like that or like understanding what you're trying to do with your practice and making sure that that's all like leading somewhere because if if you're like hey guys we're going to copy China because we don't think you'll ever get that macro shit down so, you know like I think um I think like I think the more important than even you know emulating china or emulating korea is like finding what works for your team and like uh the natural tendencies for your players and all that stuff is is more important and if you have a team that's like all right listen guys we're echo fox we're not gonna fucking like like you said go 20 minutes no first bloods that's not how we play i don't give a fuck like you know i think finding what works for you is very important and like echo fox will never be close to like what a korean team looks like and i don't think they should be um, and so for a team like TS TSM, it's probably not that way. Like Bjergsen likes to play a very controlled style. That's who he is. He he wants that approach. And I don't think you could tell him, ah, just go play more risky, dude. Like go go out there and risk getting ganked and like just try and scrap some 2v2s out mid lane because that's, that's not his natural play style. And so like you would have to get some serious buy-in for him from for him to like want to approach that the game that way. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, people also don't realize how much power the players do have in kind of uh, strategy development, especially in, in champ select. It is, to my experience, very rare that a coach gets the absolute final say on what a draft looks like, even though they get most of the time the, the brunt <laughs> end of the stick. Exactly. They always get blamed for shit. But nine times out of ten, I guarantee the coach is like, you should really pick LeBlanc here. And they're like, rise? And they just lock it in. <laughs> and then the uh, the NA audience is like, why is this coach continuously picking? Oh my god, this guy sucks. Um, but again, it's you. Uh, the, the number one source of a coach's information does come from their players. Like, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find any coach that knows more about the game um, in a, a, a micro level than a, a player does. So a lot of times when a team's identity is being crafted, it does have to do... Uh, with the players, with their comfort, with how they think a matchup plays. So, when you Anero, before you go flaming a coach, <laughs> realize this. And Arrow in, in Twitch chat says, "Phoenix literally held a gun to my head and made me pick Rise every game." <laughs> you yeah. should have picked him with zero, dude. Didn't you know he had a good? 
In Eero? Well, you yeah. should pick Ezreal. Jin? Ezreal? No, Jin. Got it. You said oh. Sivir, right? Sivir, <laughs> yeah, Sivir, that's right. It's Sivir. Yeah. No, okay. Well, that that's basically the crux of my thing. I just think, I think I, NA could maybe take from both, and like y'all said, it's definitely for finding what playstyle works better for you. I personally think more, you know, I hate the word aggression, but more proactive plays. I think the most successful time we thought an NA team was going to do well is when we saw the first iteration of TSM Doublelift with Bob Frost, and they were just moving everywhere on the map. And it, it didn't look like you were watching a Korean team or LPL team, but it just seemed like more proactive plays uh, benefits NA teams. And I feel like LPL has that, whether it's through their macro or just you know their natural play style. As a, as a side note, uh, just random question: Should coaches have like pick and ban on a tablet, and they get to actually pick and ban? <laughs> they get full control, like plugged into. With yeah. players like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't think it matters. Uh, the like Frost was saying, the players are still gonna like not necessarily have final say, but are gonna have a huge input either way. So it's just like who's locking it in because most of the time the players not even picking their own champion; they're picking somebody else's. So yeah. I don't think that would matter. I think that'd be yeah. cool. I think, I think <laughs> it would kind of be awkward if like you're like, hey, you should play this. And he's like, I really think this is better. And then you play it for him. And then that's the discussion that you have after a loss. Is like, well, I really think we should have picked this here. And it's but like, that hmm. still happens no matter what. There's also like a, a very hard line. Um, and this was my experience back in the day coaching. I don't know if it's changed as like more resources and professionalism have increased in the scene. But once you lose your player's trust as a coach or as an analyst, you, you're pretty much done So Like you almost must go to a different team uh, because of just, again, I think a, a big problem was this idea that if you're spending X number of dollars on a roster, the coach, in my experience, back in the day was never the most important part of the roster. Like. Take RNG. If you have Uzi and Uzi is like the guy, then are you going to replace the coach first or are you going to replace Uzi first? Even if there's like a huge disagreement there. Yeah. So. Uh, kind of along that, uh, I want to get yeah, really quickly. We need to move on to the next call. So. Yeah, re really quickly. Just like the idea that like of the community's reaction to like people always want North America to have their own play style, but then when they have their own play style and it loses, people love to complain and say like, "Why are they playing Jin?" and stuff like that. Like, I don't know if you have a, a particular like opinion on if teams should spend more time trying to read the meta or spend more time just kind of being themselves. Hmm. It's hard to say because I'm not in the conversation. Like, I'll speak directly to the gen point because I think a lot of uh, viewers will grab hold of the gen and be like, why are you playing this garbage ass champion? Like, why are you giving free wins? But from a player's perspective and everything that I've talked to players about gen, it's simply like a safe laning phase. Uh, and I don't know if Peter's still in the background, if you can like correct me here. No, but again, to my understanding and two players talking to me, it was the idea that if I pick the gen, I can either compete with certain pushing power or I would have a safe laning phase. And gen compositions are really interesting, especially when you use them with trundle your ability to create long range picks but the problem is is that the barrier on execution for a gin comp is actually pretty high and we are playing like much faster paced games and so i don't necessarily think that gin meant auto lose or gin was necessarily out of the meta because every team seemed to be playing a very different style have different priority on champions um 
but just that the, the teams at that high of a level didn't really understand how to protect the gen. Like, Reckless having to play Jin into a Camille, I believe, Orn composition, he was never going to be able to do anything there. They're just going to jump on his face and instantly kill him. So from that perspective, if you're then giving Fnatic flame of, why didn't you have a better read on the meta and take the Ezreal? Well, guess what? Against uh, RNG, he picked Ezreal every single time, and part of that was a denial pick away from Uzi, but if the if the player's more comfortable on Jin than necessarily Ezreal, and Reckless did a good job on Ezreal, then, I mean, obviously, they, they strategically, like, did that. I feel like so many people look at drafts and they say, this guy won draft, this guy lost draft, when for all we know, the coach could be walking away from both drafts saying, we got exactly what we wanted, they picked exactly what they thought they were going to pick, and all the community sees are these power picks or these OP picks, and, like, wow, this team doesn't know what the fuck they're doing, they don't understand how to draft, flame the coach, flame the players, but again, like, you could look at the weaker draft and the team comms and the coach comms are all saying, this is fine, we got exactly what we wanted, they did exactly what we thought that they were going to do, and then it just comes down to execution. I like that point a lot too, just because like, unless you can have two team comps that are like the same thing, but then if you have two different team comps, one will always look like the, the wrong choice based off execution sometimes. Yep. Like, oh man, we don't have much wave clear, but we have three winning lanes, so like, if we get ahead, it doesn't matter, and then like, their jungler dies and like some skirmish and they're playing behind the whole game and it's like well yeah your comp didn't do what it was supposed to do so it looked bad so yeah i big agree like how many oh sorry we we uh, we need to we do need to move on i think we've only gone through like three calls so far in like an hour so i don't know if you know quantity or quality travis well i just i i feel bad if we have a show with only five uh, i don't i don't know if you know this travis but when you have females on females they really like the quality of conversation these very in-depth like hey getting, i don't know if there's know you conversation. any way i can respond to that without getting myself in trouble so optsm fan thank you so I'm much i'm gonna try anyways for calling in <laughs> thank you all so much i really appreciate it thank you Shout out to Kobe, who's in the chat right now, spamming uh, emotes. He's a proud Travis Gafford sub. Um, you should be like Kobe and also be a, tra a proud Travis Gafford sub. Speaking of subs, want to shout out a couple people. Uh, Ventus official resubbed. Boba Cola gifted a sub to D-Lim. So congratulations, D-Lim, now also a proud sub. Uh, Dead Puns subbed. Communist Doug has subbed. And Enero LOL has resubbed for four months. Enero LOL, by the way, doesn't doesn't get gifted subs. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Enero's the Echo Fox coach. He doesn't get gifted subs, and he doesn't use Twitch Prime. He literally subs as a tier one sub out of his own pocket. So thank you so much to Enero. And uh, Don't One has subbed as well. I'm Let's a six-month subscriber. Are you? Because I, I, well, I put that in quotes because I don't. Have you been gifted a sub for six? Every every time, yeah, six yeah. months. Congratulations, Mike. Uh, Tien H four is here. How's it going, Tien? How's it going? Where are you calling from? Vancouver, BC. Vancouver, very cool. I love Vancouver. It's one of my favorite places. What do you want to talk about? My tech is a follow up on your interview with the Evos uh, owner. Oh yeah, yeah. So in that interview, he says that the VCS will overtake regions in about like two years. But I think that if the VCS were to overtake another major region, it would be the LMS, uh, mainly because I feel like in stagnant internationally. They also are, doesn't have like 
the sort of uh, infrastructure and the level of development as compared to NA or EU? Well, he did. So, so uh, for those of you that don't know what's uh, what's being referenced right now, uh, we I did an interview that is on um, I think it's on the second page of the subreddit now. It's on my YouTube channel uh, with the owner of Evos, uh, who was saying that he expects uh, Vietnam to be a top four region uh, soon. Uh, I think in the next year or so. Um, and so uh, I think what Tian is saying is that if and a lot of people in the thread and elsewhere were saying like NA lol, NA is going to be worse than uh, Vietnam. Uh, but Tian, you're saying you think that LMS is the one that will fall down uh, because they don't have the infrastructure to compete. Sounds like you're saying. Is that correct? Yeah, basically so. I think uh, the LMS to me is like more hit or miss or maybe more top heavy is the way to put it. Cause like, I think when they're on, they're really good and they can go toe to toe with like the China, not necessarily all of Korea, but they can, they can put up a good fight a lot of the time. Uh, so I think depending on like the form of the LMS, I could see the, the VCS taking them over first, but I, I don't know if I agree if it's going to be before one of the LCS. Cause I think it's pretty I close. Uh, I believe that a lot of people's perception that the LMS are skewed by, again, it's this idea of separating the LMS mystique from the Flash Wolves mystique. Uh, for the longest time, Flash Wolves have been the primary representatives, and they do have the core same players of Sword Art and Maple. Um, and if you believe everything that you've heard about, you know, Sword Art and Maple, that veteran ship status, the ability to shot call when Maple started slumping, that the Flash Wolves had a, a very poor showing versus when Maple is in form and suddenly the Flash Wolves come in and they dominate again. Um, I think the issue is, is not from watching the LMS in preparation for this event, I do believe that it was hard to see the flash wolves coming to the amount of success that they had at MSI. That said, the region does look very weak in terms of, as Mark is saying, they're very top heavy. So a lot of the time you have, you know, like a one or two key players on a team, but it's very easy to poke holes in the rest of the, the team because they simply don't have the caliber of talent to outfit a roster. But if you take and remove the flash wolves from that, I think the LMS are almost already a weaker region. I'd have to engage more in VCS to understand it, but I think the Flash Wolves, because they are, you know, the sample size that we see almost every single time, um, they they propel the LMS to a different level. And so I'm very curious kind of what the perception would be if you remove them, like with Mountain leading AHQ now. I know at Rift Rivals, we will get a look at more uh, or a larger pool of LMS. In the last Rift Rivals that we had, LMS did better than expected, um, but still it was, you know, the old guard of, on and Mountain and AHQ, as well as Flash Wolves with Maple and Sword Art versus the rest of the LMS actually stepping up. And a big problem is, again, population size to outfit their players. And as uh, the LMS doesn't necessarily have the same infrastructure as like the LPL, the LPL are going to start buying up more of their star players uh, like Carsa, like Mountain, and then the LMS is going to continue to uh, slip backwards. Yeah, do we think... Uh, oh, go ahead, Tian. Follow up. So with that, I think like when it comes to the free agent market, if the LMS were to compete with the EU LCS or the NALCS on imports, then it's advantage because they couldn't, you know, compete in terms of salary and benefits. They had to resort to uh, hiring maybe more up and coming players and focus on scouting and player development 
that is one of the if the the factor that may hamper then progress. Yeah. So so just saying like LMS in a world where LMS needs to import players, um, which I don't know if they as the assumption that they do need to import players. Uh, Tian. I think uh, a bigger problem is that the LMS. And again, I'm not super intricate with the LMS market. I do work with Clement Chu, who was a long time voice of them. Um, and I do spend a fair bit of time studying LMS for where Rival's approaching. Uh, a huge issue is the, again, sponsorship and money. And so you retain a lot of these veteran players like Westor because Westor's brand is so valuable, more so than the the superior performance with uh, uh, Chowie that you would get. There was a, a lot of lashback that, you know, why why does AHQ continue to hold on to a player like Westor when his performance is uh, continuously on a decline or from the audience perspective uh, declining? And a lot of Westor's value is in uh, what, what he brings in in terms of like a monetary value as a brand. And so if he's, you know, still a decent player, does have those shot calling elements, uh, and then also has a massive brand, the LMS teams are much more likely to hold on to their veterans as opposed to developing new talent. Likewise, when you talk about the Southeast Asian regions, um, a, a huge portion of their talent growth is being done in the collegiate scene. Um, I believe that there was an article a while back on Reddit that was kind of talking about the, the disparity in terms of salaries from a professional team perspective to a collegiate team perspective and why it is hard for players to make the, the jump and go pro. Like when the Gigabyte Marines went to MSI last year, I believe, um, they they couldn't afford to bring their own keyboards and they actually had to have keyboards lended to them. Like that's how uh, the, the disparity in terms of like the monetary value. Now the Gigabyte Marines are doing much better, I believe. It's really cool that Evos got to represent the VCS, not only because we had a standardized uh, method of play from them, but also I believe Evos is a very professional organization and the VCS is effectively going through the growth patterns that the LGL went through where you're getting more infrastructure in, you have gaming houses, you have uh, bigger sponsorships getting behind these players and again, creating the safety net. So it's more feasible and more plausible to become a pro professional player, which in itself means that more people will do it. So you get a higher caliber of performance from these regions. Yeah. So my question for Frost and Travis then would be, let's say hypothetically the VCS has already somewhat passed the L LMS just overall, though it might take a little bit while longer for them to get like this top level success that flash wolves specifically gets. How long do you think the same thing happens in the uh, LCS, specifically North America? Sorry, you're I mean, saying is it is basically BCS until it beats out the mo majority of the, the LCS in terms of skill level? Oh, you're I saying, mean, okay, so how long before VCS? If VCS is already better than LMS, how long until hey, VCS is yeah. better than LCS? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to say because if we're talking about like how much infrastructure a lot of people will be like, well, if you say, you know, China's infrastructure will make the LPL this much stronger in this many years because of like franchising uh, money, then theoretically NA should be exactly the same thing. But then you're also missing the kind of global aspect of it that NA cannot scream, scrim with EU. NA, I believe, can't even scrim with Brazil if they wanted to just due to ping issues. So you have kind of this isolated uh, player you base. You can scrim someone on the East Coast if you wanted. Like <laughs> everyone has to be in the greater LA area. And that has to, to go into account. Um, I don't want to put too much on like the caliber of solo queue and things like that, but there are other uh, resources, like resources as a word isn't just monetary. Um, it's also, you know, access to being able to scrim the Korean teams, uh, being able to play on the Korean solo queue. I know that Sauhu was discussing um, not streaming 
or giving up his streaming access so he could actually play on the Korean solo queue ladder, uh, just because the you know the new regulations that are going into place to try to move the LPL players onto their own uh, professional server. Um, and so, in terms of like, will VCS ever come up to NA? I mean, there are, I guess, systems that I would say in place that if VCS continues to uh, create players like SOFM, like Levi, um, that. NA, if they wanted to, could actually just buy them out because yeah, they do have it. that security. Frost uh, said all this stuff. Advice. She went on this big rant, all thoughtful. All I was going to say was never because we'll just buy their best players. <laughs> like, and then and she I, comes to the end of it and it's like, oh, yeah, there's systems in place and, and that, monetary and differences. EU, and right? right, Travis? We're doing better than EU? What? I said it's working well, against EU, right? We're doing well, better well, than well, we're our our top slots. our our ten best our ten LCS teams are better than their ten LCS teams, and and we'll see at least some version of that when we beat them at Rift Rivals. Did you guys know that for some reason, the EU LCS Studio has the Rift Rivals trophy? Yes, you've brought this up before. Why? We, we won the trophy, the and they're rivals. displaying it like they won it. This is the most North American thing to do, Travis. Throw a temper tantrum over the location of a trophy for a tournament that doesn't matter. It's on display at the Elysia studio as if they won it. It is actually such bullshit. I kind of agree. I mean, I, what? I, 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 I mean, what? Can you, a bit, can like you imagine? Said, can you imagine, like, the, you know, Lakers versus Golden State Warriors? I know it's not a thing. The uh, Golden State Warriors versus the Cavs. The Cavs win, and the Golden State Warriors get the trophy to display at the Golden State Warriors like stadium. Like that, it makes no sense. I I agree. I was so you you legitimately think never LV, VCS won't pass the uh, L, LCS barring. I'm sure. I think VCS could pass the LCS, but it'll be after League is pretty much dead in North America. I think it's only at the top end. Like I think the the only threat would be at the very top end, maybe the VCS team is um, comparable or competitive with like the top end of NA or EU, but I do not think that they have the infrastructure right now to round out the whole league being better. And then that itself is an advantage because if your mid-tier teams are better, then your top-tier teams will still have the ceiling to be pressured and to go up. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I think I agree with Frost where like, I could see the region becoming Best case scenario, a little bit like the old school LPL or something when it was just like kind of crazy player driven kind of org stuff or being like the uh, LMS where like ev like every now and then one of their teams is just nasty and yeah. vastly outperforms us. I honestly, I just think that like it's interesting to see the growth of League of Legends esports in Vietnam and I... It's really cool because I am starting to think it is like the first time that we've seen a a emerging region or whatever you want to call sort of what what the wildcard regions are really start to become like a, a a big deal in its own way and that kind of thing. I I really want to go to Vietnam. I hope there's an event in Vietnam soon. It's too. it's the first legitimate emerging. Yeah, yeah. Because like Brazil and all those guys, like they they have their own have their. Own cutting in and out. Like, I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why my man is being a little douche right now. Uh, but yeah, it's it's. I think it's the first region that's like really broken through that emerging region status. And just because no one had a spicy take, I'll say the VCS is better than the LCS in a two years. 
But you really think that, like, I mean, think about it this way. Even we saw Evo, so, so let's say that they're the best version of VCS. I know this is still, like, in two years' time, but think about, like, Warzone comparatively to Jensen, Bjergsen, even Pogelter. Like, if we're saying that this is kind of, like, the top echelon of, of mid uh, talent from North America, like, do you think that it is possible that VCS is able to get those positions or, or that compete with that caliber of talent in every single position? I kind of threw threw it out there like it's a hot take. Don't don't ask me difficult questions. Let's let's move on. We we have Pobelter. They have Warzone. What's the difference? Let's let's move on. Thank you so much, TM, for calling in. Ah! Thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on. Let's see. Um, King of Seas sent two hundred bits. Said just dumping some bits. Thank you. Haven't had too many bits on this show. Uh, so you definitely stand up King of Seas. Thank you. Boba Cola gift shot is just exploding. Can you do a thousand push-ups, Mark? Boba Cola gifted a sub to DeRay. Uh Warzone was so painful. I said it before. Like I just like that. Sometimes was... he would be a god and sometimes he would just impinge and I just didn't know which one we were gonna get. Kiwi Mullet Boy. You can bet on the, the not a god pretty pretty frequently. Says like that team I thought would be so much better if Warzone just could be consistent. Oh, you know, yeah. Consistently not like always, worse than his opponent, but not getting blown out. Love the hotline league with Frosk. I'll pit up with Mark for her Kappa. Okay. Um, moving on to the next call. We have in chat Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan, you want to refresh everyone on where you're calling from? I I'm going to take a guess that I it's going to be Manhattan. Actually, no. It's actually Washington, D.C. You just. Doctor Manhattan is a comic book character. What part of uh, what part of DC? I used to live there. What part? I actually live around Northeast, but uh, what part? What part did you live in, Frost? Is what he's asking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, I lived right off of the Red Line. Oh, beautiful. That's that. I live off of that too. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, Doctor Manhattan is a Twitch sub. Thank you so much for being a Twitch sub. Really appreciate. It. Pleasure. Uh, what would you like to talk about on the show today? Uh, I kind of wanted to talk about probably um, <clears throat> this constant uh, conversation that I've been seeing in recent shows, and actually Frostgrim brought it up uh, with a few weeks ago, with the way uh, teams are sponsored and like the whole uh, a lot of this content that's been going on, which actually got me thinking a lot, uh, which is just how like it's been doing in the West a bit, um, and kind of how I think owners to some degree are kind of at an impasse, but maybe you guys can like give me some a bit more insight and seeing what i'm missing and also seeing what it's also like in china compared to like if frost can get more more insight sorry in what, terms of how what's the sponsorship your is? what's your question dr man or what's your topic i'm, I'm having a hard time understanding so, so it's, it's like content pretty much and like how the teams like sometimes like in north america market like a lot of the content and how i see like it's kind of weird because uh i remember you guys uh mark and travis did this a bit like i think they were, they were on state of the league like around the time of the world championship and uh i remember oh, like this is about like the whole content thing again so sorry if i'm repeating myself but i think that one thing that you guys brought up like this around the world championship was it was kelsey Melzer who brought up the fact that like the problem with some of the orgs when it comes to like their sponsorships is like part of the reason why like they don't really do it and this is like from some interview with uh the old unicorns of love manager ruma who's now with optic uh, a lot of it is just the fact that <clears throat> uh, they said that some of the players don't really want to do it, and it's kind of like just the way 
they they didn't really force them and it's kind of i'm not sure how many orgs do that in the west or how like also in china uh and it's kind of a it's a weird impasse in terms of content so i, I don't know what you guys can yeah can you can you like. can you maybe bring your top your topic down into one simple sentence yeah because okay. i think i think we understand what you're saying about how like players are not really excited to do content and yeah uh, I'm not sure. Are you are you suggesting that teams are are the ones not pushing them hard enough, or you what's your what is your problem? yeah just what, uh, one problem? sentence topic? Uh, I think I think it's kind of like at, I think I would say it's probably what Mark said, where it's like sorry if I'm everywhere, but uh, what Mark said, we're just, I think that teams also aren't pushing it hard enough, and I'm not sure if it's like a chicken or the egg kind of thing. Okay, so it's teams don't make enough content in the West. Yes. Okay. And yeah, sorry. Okay. Who wants start. to take this one first? And you're okay. Um, do you want to start, or do you want? I will. I'll start because I haven't started on one of these yet. Yeah, um, that was the point. Content. Content is everywhere. You're watching content. We're content. No. Um. Yeah. I think. I think it's difficult. I think it's really difficult right now for uh, teams to figure out how to differentiate in the content space. Uh, their players are so busy. And so that's what I think part of the reason why you see so many of these shows that are like documentary style shows are because they require very little bit of the pro, pro player's time. Uh, you can just interview them at the end of the week and then string along with all this other footage that you've watched. Uh, whereas quite frankly, content, like if you want to do a really good piece around somebody, you want to do something special, you have to get a bunch of these this player's time to, to get access to it. So one, I think you're limited by the time. And I think in uh, North America, especially, uh, there's a, maybe also in Europe, there's a fear of removing players from practice or scrims or whatever to create this content. Whereas, uh, I think Frost, when you called in to talk about this before, you were saying that, um, in the LPL, there's, there's, it's much easier to get time from the players for content stuff. Is that correct? Uh, to an extent, yes. Uh, I also think that there's more of a relationship between the league itself as well as the teams themselves and how they uh, support the content about the players. So, like, um, and it's not necessarily Riot because Riot doesn't have full control over the league. It's also, like, a, a Tencent thing. And in the past, when uh, PLU and those types of broadcasters also had a huge stake in ownership of what the LPL broadcast looked like, are are uh, responsible for outputting certain types of content or driving certain types of narratives. So it alleviated some uh, pressure from the teams. Yeah. So I think all I, I think what I'm getting at here is it's w teams have a very narrow window in which to create this content. Uh, and it is very hard for them within that window to, to create differentiated content. And I also think that we don't have a great deal of very, I think there are some really smart content people in the space. Um, a lot of them are very talented at creating one or two different types of content. And then they, like a good example would be these sort of documentary shows. Teams then kind of just look for that same type of person um, whenever they enter the space, like, oh, we need a documentary show too. Or we need like our version of a Damien Estrada or like a Max from TSM. Um, and then, you know, they, they don't spend too much time trying to think about like different types of stuff. Uh, I also think that I would, I also think that Riot, I really like the Eyes on series. I don't know why the Eyes on series w was brought to North America because I feel like that series is just another version of the like, here's a 15 to 17 minute long behind the scenes episode about something. Um, 
I would I would like to see Riot uh, experiment a lot with content as well. That's one of the things that I I actually like Frost when you called in. I'm happy this topic's being brought up because when you called in before, you were talking. You said boyfriend content, right? Is that what you called it? Yes. And I and 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 for those that weren't watching that show, it was a reference to the fact that like the LPL because they have such a large female fan base, uh, they create kind of like this this boyfriend content where you're raising the appeal of the guys that compete instead of just making them seem like uber epic sports people um there's sort of like a look how handsome and fun and like endearing these people are uh and after you said that frosk after you called in it really made me start thinking like what would it be like if north america tried to do that stuff right like let's say golden guardians just tried to create a lot of content around deathly who's like this handsome nice looking boy uh and and kind of like their content is just about like how charming and appealing this guy is and and what kind of like female fan base can they build for themselves that way i don't know it's just interesting tag tag me tag me travis go go mark so i think to that point like it's really hard to differentiate yourself and i would say to an extent the lcs fan base doesn't care enough to support like 10 teams fully um and like people who put out gameplay oriented footage around a bad team is just not even worth it. And I'm glad you brought up Golden Guardians. I'm glad you brought up Deathly and shit and like boyfriend content because outside of their roster updates and meeting Kevin Durant, by far the most successful video that they put out is reading Valentine's from our fans. Uh, all their other like gameplay shit has like anywhere from like 200 views to like 600, 800, right? And then this video has 7K, which is not an impressive number by any means, but it's outperformed the other content by a factor of like 100, right? <clears throat> yeah. In some instances. So like, this is this is such a better piece of content, arguably, from the metric of how, how many people are watching it, right? Um, and I, I, think, I think the point that you made there was great. Like, no, this is not professional. This is not like... Oh man, look at how how cool and serious all these guys are about um, these these teams and stuff like that. Like, it's just here's some funny people doing funny shit, uh, and I think that is an area that teams should push for a lot more. If if you're not going to be a good, if your team's not good, <laughs> like people aren't going to care about like here's highlights from one of our six wins this so far this split. Yeah. It's also understanding your demographic. There's a, a phrase that gets thrown around a lot in terms of the context space, and it's effort versus value. You want to make sure that the effort that you're putting into creating the content is not exceeding the value that you're going to get back from the content. So a lot of uh, the community will assume that if something looks more polished, if it looks like it has more effort put into it, like professional cameras, professional audio, things like these documentary uh, series, I actually would assume would have a lot of effort put into it just because of the editing and uh, crew alone, as opposed to getting the effort from the players. And like you can break it down micro like that like maybe you can create a high professional piece of content by putting a lot of effort into the actual execution from your crew versus the execution from the players themselves or the teams themselves to dedicate the time versus something like valentine content the effort that is going into that is actually very low and then you get a massive spike of value from it because it's easy to digest it's usually shorter you don't need to you know like pay uh, all of these fines for like the camera guy and the editing and things like that um, and so I think that's the first thing that you need to look at when you are measuring content. And it's really hard to gauge that if you haven't done a lot of marketing into the demographic that you have. Uh, for the LPL, 
there's uh, very different demographics and there's very large demographics. And I think the, the best case for the LPL is they know exactly what their demographics are. So many teams have very different pieces of content and some of them do have these documentary things. But a lot of the content that you see from the LPL are just weird shit. Like they have these war horse bottles and they play these little mini games where they have to flick balls at the bottles to try to knock them down and they race each other. And certain players will... Uh, just play these little mini games and they eat that shit up because uh, a lot of the content from the LPL is knowing the player behind the game because they think that you are a fan of the player, you're not a fan of the game. And by being a fan of the player, you then become a fan of the team, which then you become a fan of League of Legends. It's kind of like the the triangle, if you will. So, yeah, I think that's uh, so brilliant and I would love to see a team like a, a FlyQuest, a Golden Guardians, or a Clutch that right now don't really have that much con... Like, they... They have nothing to lose, right? Like, if you've got TSM or if you're 100 Thieves, like, don't worry about the stuff. You've made, you've put your stake into the ground and, like, what your content is going to be. But, like, find somebody who just, like, looks at all the LPL content and is like, huh, could we do something like this? And just try crazy shit. Commit to it for, like, a split or two splits. And if it doesn't work or if the audience rejects it, it's fine. But, like, give people something different. Like, not to make this too personal... But one of the fun things for me this past year has been about, like, one of my goals has been that on my YouTube channel, like, once a week or once every couple weeks, you see something on that sh that channel that is wildly different than what you expect and what you've seen in the League of Legends space before. Um, because I think everyone's gotten really comfortable. And, like, I, I actually think that NALCS in particular with content, both from the Riot side, from the team side, and for me for a while, I think I'm, I'm trying to, to avoid this, has gotten really formulaic. It's like... Oh, we're a new team. What should we do? Let's create a fucking documentary series. Oh, we're right. Like, highlights. What should we do? We should have players say interesting things about the match before the match happens. Uh, oh, we're uh, an interviewing series, or we're we're going to cover the LCS. Okay, we're just going to interview players about how the game went and how things are going with the team. Like that shit's been done so much. Like, show me something wild. Show me something new. Show me something different. Um, I think that even in a world where that shit flops, like at least you're trying something different. Yeah. I think that like trying something different would be cool, especially with like, I, you mentioned it, Travis with like some of these bigger orgs and it's not just so much with the orgs, it's just the personalities like cloud nine, they have sneaky, you know that, I mean, you could do a million shit that was sneaky, you know, same but thing. But they have sneaky cause he built his own brand. Like sneaky. I love that you bring him up. I think he is probably like, the most success, like, he is a cosplayer, he does streaming full-time, he performs at the highest end in North America in his position, where the fuck does all his time go? Like, that guy's time management, he should be putting that on the resume, because that is incredible right there. Yeah. But, like, Sneaky's brand was so much built by himself, and I wish I was in, like, the conversations with Cloud9 to kind of decide how much, uh how much power the brand had in helping Sneaky get the platform, or if Cloud9 actually just got super lucky that they had such a, a, a gifted performer, if you will. But, like, how much of Sneaky's brand is actually built by his team making a conscious effort to uh, cultivate that brand and market that brand, or by Riot cultivating the brand and marketing the brand, versus Sneaky just doing all of the heavy lifting there, and then Cloud9 and Riot be like, look at this great thing that we have! Yeah, I I'm almost positive it's mostly on sneaky. Like I don't think people were telling him to stream more. I'm sure people were like, hey, stream more, but it's easy to say that. Uh, like he he built his his fan base. I mean, no, I think like, he streamed more because he made money doing it. You know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But but he he did a lot of like I used to watch his stream back in the day, and I know a lot of people don't like this kind of music, but he used to listen to, like a lot of like death metal and like uh, post hardcore, and I love that kind of music. But like that is not conducive to growing a large audience. So he just switched it up to like the meme 
bullshit EDM stuff, which I'm sure he likes as well. Um, but like he, I think along the way you could see Sneaky make conscious choices to grow himself. And that the music one is one that stood out to a, lo a lot to me. Uh, and, and like, do you think anyone told him to do this cosplay stuff or do you think it was him and his girlfriend had a funny idea and then once it was successful, they pushed it further? And uh, I see this popping up in the Twitch chat where they talk about like brand being overrated. And I'm unsure if that shit, I'm going to grab it from so oh, many professional players. Sure uh, am I good now? Yeah, I think yeah, you're, you're good now. Yeah, you're good. So the, the comment that I saw in Twitch chat was brand is overrated. And the thing is, is brand is so important. And a lot of uh, the younger community and the, the players don't really recognize it. A lot of people will assume that brand is like lying about who you are and then just like this BR, uh, this BS, like PR uh, shill marketing bullshit. But like, if you are the first person that has like a large enough brand that even teams just like think about it can almost inflate your skill like even if you're just kind of like a mid-tier player as long as when teams are thinking about what type of roster move do we come up with who is a guy that's in a position and if your brand is so large that your name is automatically coming up that can also give you you know more opportunities to prove yourself as a player it's like, like how i'm a mid-tier interviewer but my brand got so big so quickly that like it's just giving me so many opportunities i am like outperforming my skill you laugh I think you say that tongue in cheek, but like it is somewhat true. Like you were. All right. Um, unfortunately, Mark is cutting out. I don't know what's happening. I wasn't gonna move me out of the fucking channel. <laughs> I wasn't saying that like you get your mid-tier interviewer. I'm just saying that like your brand and who you are, it makes you much more dear into the fans than your interviewing skills. Like that's that's all I was saying. That that Travis's brand is more like is more important than than his interviews in that sense because he brings his brand into his interviews and so many players have the mentality that they can only build brand off to off of being the best player but ultimately there are more players that are in the mediocre bucket than there are in the top end bucket like there's only one percent of even the professional player base that are the absolute best that we continue to see at these international tournaments so unfortunately like the amount of players that will be able to build their brand off of being the best is very tiny so these players need to understand how important it is to the longevity of their careers like you're only going to be so good at the game for so long or the game is only going to be around for so long so you need to build up that brand so that when you need to transition into other things it, it's easier to do so it's it's your most valuable purchasing power by the way uh people were talking about the team soda mid ad uh which oh, i think God. is a great example of this like you came out with something really like the whole idea is all the players. If you haven't seen it, the players like drink their Dr. Pepper. They they push it uh, together, and then suddenly they become like Power Rangers, etc., or you know some equivalent. And they're Team Soda Mid, and it's like a very short ad um, where the players are there for a very little time. They don't need to do any um, acting, but it's like such a good example of you're just subverting expectations. Like create content that nobody would expect, and it will delight um i i yeah i really think I that even the show is kind of an example of that right like mark and i have been on and done a million league of legends talk shows before this it was literally the very first thing i ever created as content uh but by doing something where it's like actually the callers are the people that that decide what the show looks like i think it's it's that's one of the reasons why people have really enjoyed the show and it's been one of my more successful pieces of content recently random question even dr manhattan i want you to answer this do you think any pro would have been able, like before Sneaky did it, like could another pro have done like the uh, cross-dressing kind of like cross-play stuff and like had it be a successful thing? Or do you think that was because Sneaky already had like that brand or like if fucking Biofrost just came out of nowhere and did it or 
Acadian, like this big, beefy, like, you know, college frat boy looking guy comes out as like Lux or something. Like, do you think any other person could have pulled that off or do you think it was exclusively Sneaky? I think with Sneaky's following along with the fact that he's like the one player that every Cloud9 fan is like clutching onto right now, along with just his personality being super meme um unless there's another player that's like equally just pushing the like the line constantly of memeing i think that this is i want to say almost an ex exclusively a sneaky thing but that i don't i don't see anybody else pushing like the kind of just constant hilarity and like just ridiculousness that sneaky does on a regular basis so i mean i don't know that that's just me from an outsider perspective i actually agree with uh dr manhattan here um when you have a brand you it's really hard to step out of that brand. Like, it'd be weird if Sneaky turned on his stream one day and was just, like, super serious, like, uh, having very intense, serious, pointed discussions with his audience as opposed to having more of, like, this meme carefree, uh, kind of low-key sarcasm personality. And so the problem is, is that a lot of NALCS players haven't built up their brand that they would be able to grab something like that. I think BoxBox Box is the only other person who's, A, done kind of the gender-bender cosplay um, as well, but also if he like shows up in a Riven cosplay, people aren't, you know, shocked by it. See, I, I think I take the other way where like, if people don't know you at all, and then you do it, it might be a little weird, but like, I like cop did that like uh, Caitlyn cosplay, and like people still post that picture. Like, I think, I think anyone who has like any sort of like a somewhat humorous, like Doublelift could have done it. Like he's done that, like he has that picture of him with like the Lux hair and like in his boxers or some shit, like, I think a lot of people, there's a lot more opportunities to build your brand than, than people realize. And they, they, I think because they're not inherently content creators and brand builders, they only can emulate and they have a hard time reaching out and like doing more. And I think that's what Sneaky really has. But I think a lot of people, like a lot of pros can just do goofy shit and like it might do well. And you just keep, like Travis said, keep trying stuff and see what sticks. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much, Dr. Manhattan. I hope this was, uh, I hope we answered your topic. You did, and I want to shout out Uman by HP. Spam in the chat. Thank you. Catch you later. Uh, we've got one more caller coming in. Subs have slowed down a little bit. Uh, donations and bits, but it's okay because we do have a couple people. Shout out Volu1 resubbed and says, I love you, Frost. Thanks for coming on. Hashtag Owen by HP. And Benjamin has resubbed and says, Hey, Travis, did you know that by connecting your Twitch? And Amazon Prime accounts, you can get a free subscription to the Gaffy Gang to support the most premium interviews on the planet. Love you, Daddy. Um, uh, thank you, Benjamin, for that. Uh, and just now, Green Roost 14 subbed with uh, Twitch Prime. Speaking of, uh, last caller, Emo Poor Emilio is on. You've been on before, yes? Yeah, from Uruguay. Oh, yes, yes. One of our favorite callers of all time, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, you're also a Twitch sub. What, uh, what do you want to talk about on the show today? Well, first of all, I've got to say, Froskurin, I, I deeply enjoy your color casting analysis. I'm really glad young girls have you to look up to as a role model in the gamer world. Gamer world. Um, Thank you. Even though you drink milk with freaking ice in it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's not like the neck tattoo or the throat sticker. You're like the ice with the milk no, thing. Like, honey, yeah. you cannot be involved with this. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, well, regarding my take, please don't part me, but I believe RNG's win was mostly due to 
um, variants and Kingzone heavily underperforming, especially Khan and Peanut. And I believe in worlds where the sample size is much bigger, uh, Korea will again come on top. Um, uh, all Korean finals or three, uh, even 3-0, 3-1. Um, and about the gap closing, even though it's, it isn't as big as it once was, it's, it's still pretty big. In considering Asia versus the West, um, I, I don't think MSI results show much since, as I said, the sample size is so small. Only one team per region, which can choke, um, anything can happen, and only two BO1s in group stage. Um, so yeah, I, I believe, I, well, that's my take. Please don't part me. Don't part <laughs> Who wants them? to grab this first? Don't part uh, them. It's your region. Frost. Yeah, Frost, this feels like you. You're supposed to start screaming at him. <laughs> part them. So I think that there's uh, there's two things that need to be discussed before we kind of like break this open. And the first and foremost is that, uh, yes, I do agree to an extent that uh, winning a single tournament does not immediately distinguish or discredit the dominance that the LCK has shown for a very long time. That said, uh, this idea of underperformance, I, I agree. I do think that Kingzone underperformed. And this is why we had this conversation earlier about consistency. And one of the most important things about the LCK and their international appearances was their ability to have consistency over the other teams. But I do find it very interesting. And I think it's a, a fact that not a lot of people watch the LPL. So they are unable to gauge where these teams are consistently performing or not, because their only uh, experience with them from a Western perspective is from these international tournaments. So come 2015, you know, when LGD is hyped up, a lot of the language in the conversation is that the LPL teams are overhyped, that LGD is not as good as, uh, you know, Frost Grand and all these analysts said. But if you rewind time, I wasn't the only person that was saying that LGD was good. It was every single analyst who had taken the time to actually deep dive on the region and watch them. And they had a massive underperformance at Worlds and systematically collapsed. And so I find it very funny that now that Korea kind of falls symptom to this, which is pretty unexpected from what we see from the past, that everyone is willing to engage with this conversation that Korea underperformed, but if the LPL underperforms, nah, they were just bad. So I, I'm glad that this is opening up that door so that people can start reflecting that, hey, this region that I, I don't watch a lot, um, that I don't really know anything about, maybe they also did underperform or they have these performance issues in the past due to, as uh, Mark was saying earlier, kind of this rock star, you know, player oriented infrastructure behind them. And maybe on an inter stage when you don't have the, the management and the support staff behind them, that things would fall apart. And now that that has increased, you're starting to see a more or higher level of consistency when the LPL teams are going international, such as two world semifinalists in WE and RNG going through both North America and Europe to fall to SKT and Samsung, as well as the LPL being the only region that actually took games off of the world champion uh, Samsung during the course of that tournament. And now we have a victory at MSI in a definitive 3-0 over Fnatic and a, I'm going to say a, a big shellacking against Kingzone. And so while I do agree that there were performance issues between Peanut and Khan, I still think that there should be credit given to RNG for you know, the performance step up from Xiaohu from group stage into that finals performance, or Let Me, who basically wasn't talked about at all and had a very consistent finals, especially against Fnatic when he picked up things like the Vladimir. Frost, LPL sucks, and LCK is <laughs> Well, I, I especially like the, the point about LGD, like, and especially like Name was this guy who for so long was like, he's going to revolutionize the AD carry position. And then he goes out there and lays a turret every year. 
for whatever the two years he made it like but like this to, is, to this is the point, ultimate gate <laughs> yeah you ask someone what they think about name and tells you everything that you need to know about how much pl they've ever watched if they're like name was the best 80 carry in the world you're like okay i see that you watched a lot of lpl and you understand if they say name is the worst 80 carry in the world super overrated then i'm like i see you watch one international tournament about this guy but yet when the western players have a bad tournament that's okay they still get to fall back simply because there's more context from a western viewer they watch more game of these guys they have different expectations i just wish that the western community would kind of have this realization that um they don't watch a lot of these guys i've watched probably every single one of Uzi's games. And the reason why I've been so hard on Uzi is because uh, I've watched him fail repeatedly. I've watched him in big moments absolutely choke or take kind of that bitch step backwards and, uh, you know, not play not play to carry. Whereas Western viewers have only watched him internationally and they're like, what is this girl talking about? Why is she so hard on Uzi? Uzi is amazing. Yes, Uzi is amazing internationally, but for so long, he's been a domestic choker, which is why now I hope that my praise for Uzi means so much more. It's because I've been one of his harshest critics. And this was the first time where Uzi played the best ADC in the world undisputedly in domestic season and international season, which again, that context is important because then it, it makes his achievement that much richer. If you're only getting half of the story and you just believe that Uzi has been the best forever, then you actually cheat the audience and him of his actual accomplishment. L LPL sucks, but Uzi's really good. <laughs> can, I ask, can I ask a question? Um, yes, go for it. Don't you think Kingstone last year Worlds um, could have lost like 60-40 against World Elite or RNG. Like, they they underperformed Worlds 2017 too. So, that's that's what I'm basing on. Um, I think Kingzone has shown that internationally they, I don't know what happens, but they, they choke. They don't perform as well as they can. And with three teams, the sample size is, is bigger, so um, the variance is lower and um, Korea always um, ends up winning. I I, I don't know if, I, if my point is. Yeah, you're saying like at Worlds you have more the variance for region to region is lower because you have three chances for LCK to win rather but than if uh, if you look one. at the Korean representatives. Um, so since 2015, I believe if I've done. Korean versus non-Korean best of fives and nine of those were done by SKT and SKT only lost one of them in the 2015 MSI EDG versus SKT and I talked about this a bit on the analyst desk I feel like the viewers really do need to separate the Korean mystique from the SKT mystique in the same way that we need to separate flash wolves from the LMS and while there have been instances of Korean teams not being beaten in uh, non-Korean team best of fives those teams are the rocks tigers or the Koo Tigers and Samsung, I believe. And so it's still these very established organizations. And this is automatically translating to the Western community and the Western blends that Korea is untouchable when so much of that, that war has been fought in the trenches by SKT, by the greatest player to ever play the game, Faker, as well as the greatest coach to ever coach the game, Koma. So is this actually, Korea is that much farther ahead of everyone. They are always going to be dominant. You can never beat them in a best of five, or is it, we actually have more footage that it's SKT that are unbeatable, that Faker is unbeatable. And I would have taken the point that I do think Korea is a step above other regions. I'm not saying Frosty isn't saying that. I think SKT definitely kind of muddies the whole thing by being the most dominant team ever. But like you said, the only best of five loss basically that they had suffered since 
season four. Like they they suffered one loss in season in twenty fifteen. There was CLG, uh, uh, OMG, and Edward Gaming are the three teams, a Korean team, and a best of five. And then you can include WE against Koo Tigers as a best of three in IEM. Right, and so like at that point, you know that's that's pretty substantial. And if like so, I, I think it is is a pretty huge like task to beat them in a best of five. But like it just happened, RNG maybe not the best team in China. Like I think this win starts to move that conversation forward. But I do think the conversation focusing on Korean dominance and not just SKT was was pretty legitimate before. What's interesting, especially about this one, and why I think unfortunately it led some credit to people trying to or led some credence to people trying to discredit the LPL is that like Khan, we've seen him twice now and both times he's kind of looked bad internationally. Like uh, uh, they were, they were not particularly impressive at worlds last, last time around, they got absolutely destroyed by Samsung galaxy. Um, and then here again, he, he looked pretty bad when he's supposed to be like one of the focal points for this team. And he's going out there and like TPing behind people and dying, even if he's playing laning phase. Well, uh, it, it makes it easy for people who don't want to believe it to have like this thing that they can point to and be like, look, our star player choked and maybe he's just an international choker, but like, wait till the rest of the Korea gets there. Cause this tournament only had one people. So I definitely understand what Emilio is saying. Yeah. Emilio, but thank I, you. Um, oh, go ahead. Um, but my question was uh, for screen. Do you think, um, if King zone, uh, long to, uh, to, uh, 2017 will have, um, Played against RNG or World Elite, um, it was uh, an even matchup, maybe 60-40 or something like that. Absolutely not. I think that RNG and WE would have both lost to Kingzone. I think part of the reason why Kingzone was, un excuse me, Longju was undone was because Samsung had a good read on them and uh, outperformed them in draft. Even though we just had this conversation that you can't necessarily win or lose a draft, it's not as clear cut as that. But the experience that Samsung had in terms of a game plan and uh, notoriously, at least in the past, the LPL teams have been rather poor at creating specific drafts or targeted drafts towards enemy teams. Um, we saw this at Rift Rivals was the biggest example. The LPL region came into Rift Rivals and completely fell on their face for the first part of it uh, because the coaches weren't talking to each other. And then the heat came from the community that, you know, you really need to win this event. And so there's actually famous photo, uh, photos of the coaches all gathering together and sharing information and helping craft strategies for each other. And then the LPL did outperform the LMS and LCK. And I know a lot of people will try to discredit the value of a Rift Rivals win, but this is a format that was used uh, pretty famously in StarCraft, this uh, relay type of format. And from my perspective and from the LPL's perspective, you know, we got four chances at Korean teams. We didn't, you know, uh, you know, burn our best team on Korea's weakest team. We actually went toe-to-toe. -to -toe. It was WE versus SKT and WE won. Um, you know, it was Edward Gaming versus Samsung. Edward Gaming won. It was the LPL coaches outmaneuvering the LCK coaches. And so the different format, it's not the same as winning Worlds or winning MSI, but to completely write over Rift Rivals, especially in the context of now looking at this MSI victory, looking at the semifinals finishes from LPL, um, I, I think that in history, in the future, when LPL does climb to the top, people will point at that Rift Rivals and be like, this is the start where you could start to see the trend changing. And people are ignoring it now simply because they just don't have the context of the LPL because they don't look at it. I think that's actually a really good okay. point. I forgot about that uh, that Rift Rivals because Rift Rivals was such a, a weird event in general. But but actually, that was a really impressive uh, victory for the LPL. And I know uh, LCK kind of got blasted for that, uh, if I remember. Like, their community's reaction was pretty 
pretty rough. Yep. Hey, I want to thank you so much, Emilio, for calling in. Thank you much, very much for having me. Thank you, Omen by HP. Have <laughs> good night. I like how you've trained all of your viewers to sponsor shout out for you. No, like this is just what's incredible about my audience. Like, you're supposed to say this is what's just incredible about Omen, but I don't have to convince anyone to do it. That I mean, they'll just speak Omen, on their Omen behalf. Omen knows. Uh, Omen, I it's I just rather give the. I don't know. The fans deserve it. The audience viewers deserve it. They're such supportive people. I really appreciate it. So, um, as I'm sure does Owen by HP. Uh, Frost, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, do you have any shout outs, plugs, anything you want to say here at the end? Uh, the LPL returns on June 11th. Um, it, you can find it on twitch.tv slash LPL1. It starts at 1 a.m., I believe, Pacific Standard Time. Uh, something like 9 to 11 a.m. Uh, Berlin time. So if you're curious about what the LPL looks like, it's a very interesting league. It's vastly different than all the others. And I would suggest that you check it out, maybe. Mark, anything that you want to shout out? Any plugs? What are you doing? No. Are you really, um, like, not... What? I just want... You know, I want you to go forth and accomplish things and grow as a person, as a professional, you know... What do, you, what do you want me to do? You want me to, to shoot a video or something? Yeah, yeah. No, I just bought Nier Automata. I'm gonna play the shit out of that. I'm going camping this week. I'm going camping. Can you make Where a you vlog camping about your camping trip? No, I'm not gonna vlog it. It's an anniversary trip. My one year anniversary with my girlfriend. I'm not, I'm not gonna vlog it. If he vlogs that, it's a porno, so I don't think he can. can you... <laughs> Oh, you can... We're going on a hike, Frosk, and uh, we're going to make a fire and make s'mores, all right? Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> s'mores. <laughs> uh, is this your sign-off now, Travis? This is basically what happens at the end of every show. I just, he just is amazed that I'm not doing anything in my life. I'm just sitting here. Mark, you know, I just we were just talking about how we need a variety of content, you know? How, how North America needs... People to, tr to really push the envelope, try different things, and uh, you just want to play video I games and go camping video. with your girlfriend. What other caster has made an ASMR video? Am I not pushing the envelope, Travis? Is that one of those sensory videos? Have you not seen this video? Uh, I saw it on your Twitter, and I saw that it was short, and I was like, that's definitely not worth my time, so I just... <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly why it's worth your time. Uh, so we yeah, should Mark and Zell together for a year? Poggers. See, you, you can make a sensory video about your camping trip in LA. Yeah, I'll just get my keyboard and just clickety-clack on it in people's ears, too. Yeah, I, I really don't have much to push, dude. Like, I'm, like, right, when are you small. doing something next? When's the next episode of Hotline League? Are you going to do anything interesting before the start of uh, LCS? I don't know, man. Like, what are you, my mom? Am I going to get a summer job? Are you going to gonna go... What, what is this? I just want... I just... I like Mark Zimmerman content, you know? And so does the League fan base. And so whenever you're not doing anything, it's just so sad. Okay, let me build up Mark right now. So uh, I watch a lot of... 
broadcast, and I actually think the NA countdown is the best, and I told this to Mark, is the best piece of content or upgrade that North America has made to their broadcast. Uh, and if you don't watch the NA countdown, you definitely should, because the shit that they talk about is A, relevant to the game, also super interesting, and even when they fail or flop, like you guys attempted that uh, Bjergsen in-depth segment, I know that you guys got a lot of flame for that, but I do think that it's actually the route that the analyst does should go, and the upgrades that you personally have made on it um, I think are are really really important to the success of North America and that broadcast. Yeah, it's Thank too bad that he doesn't do course. any of that shit when he doesn't have a producer pushing him to do it every weekend. What, Travis? You don't like when you when you're a creative genius like I am is you don't you don't feel the need to force anything out, all right? Like unlike you who has to go out there and limp these interviews out for for necessity, I know that you know it's a fine wine, it's aging. Let it age. Something beautiful will come out. You don't need to... Like your ASMR video? Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Thank you to Stablu for the sub. What is happening here? Uh, you can... Uh, you can this, this show is available as a podcast. And I constantly get people saying, Hey, Travis, you ever thought about releasing uh, Hotline League as a podcast? Oh, I did think about it literally months ago. And so that's available on iTunes and the Google Play Store, um, as well as other places. I don't know where, uh, but they're out there somewhere. Um, this is uh, usually filmed on Mondays at 8. It's actually Tuesday at 8. Uh, we should be returning to a normal broadcast next week, assuming my move goes well. I'll, I'll be in a studio instead. Um, and by studio, I mean a bedroom that I'm converting into a studio slash office. Uh, but it's a big upgrade here for Gafford Industries. Um, you can uh, also follow my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Travis Gafford. Uh, still some MSI content coming out soon. Uh, some more interviews, including one with uh, Candice, a.k.a. Yushong, who is the LPL host. So all those people who say, Travis, you don't do any LPL content? Well, great. LPL content interview. I'm always releasing Candace LPL content. Always releasing LPL content. Anyway, that has been uh, Hotline League episode 28. Thank you guys so much for watching. We'll be back next week to take more of your calls.